new show, new year. Yep. Francis versus Joshua. PFL versus Bellator. UFC Dope. Stamps back. All that and more tonight on Scrapcast. As always, your hosts, Ace, co-host, Mr. Will. Mr. Will, how we doing? Doing good, man. Happy to see 2024. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Um, all right. So, got a lot to talk about tonight. Um, as we said before, you alluded to, new show, new year. So, yeah. Let's get started on the last couple of cards. We had a UFC fight night. 234. If anyone's keeping count. <laughs> that was um a pretty decent fight card i thought yeah exactly um what were your uh what were your takeaways from the fight card i was disappointed in johnny walker's performance <laughs> <laughs> i mean he wanted johnny walker to win I, yeah I, I like i like johnny walker i think he's an exciting fighter somebody I but wish. more importantly you don't like uncle Lyon. and i really don't like uncle Lyon. that's the guy that tends <laughs> I can tell. to shit the bed every time he gets I mean he can't yeah he can't get out of his own way in a lot of aspects I I do understand that um yeah uh great card um well I don't want to say great card but um pretty interesting card to start out the new year um as you talked about uh Uncle Laev getting the second round KO over Johnny Mm -hmm. Walker um I'll be honest with you um Ankulayev to me is in this weird spot because of that. He has a lot of promise. He's shown um, over and over again that he can be, you know, um, a real threat in the division. He may even be able to be the champion. The problem is, is that he keeps doing things that, you know, like despite himself, he keeps doing, Mm -hmm. you know, he gets the illegal knee with their first fight, which is why we had this whole fight over again. When he fought um, Jan and chose not to engage until after his leg was already gone yeah. out and then was able to beat him up. It's those kinds of things that like really show as red flags for people that you want to look at as legitimate contenders to the title. It's like you're already going to have to be facing the top of the top in the sport. And if you got to be fighting yourself on the way then it, it's cautionary. Yeah, it doesn't do you any favors. And, you know, the UFC likes to push people that put on good shows. Um, they like to push people that are, I mean, I don't even necessarily want to say consistent, but you can't fuck up main events. Yes, that's a good way and to put get, it. And get the UFC push, you know what I'm saying? No, exactly. Not only that, if you if you don't deliver UFC made events, they're probably going to give you more. If you fuck up, then mm-hmm. they're definitely not going to give you more. Yeah. So you got, you got to win. And I'll be honest with you as much as, um, I have my own reservations about uncle. I I think that the performance that he put on against Johnny Walker is the type of performance that you want to see out of uncle. Um, measured, very calm. Uh, Walker was trying to throw, 
him off with different stances, um, different switches. Walker himself was being very um, cautious about mm-hmm. engaging. So wasn't drawing anything out of Ankalaev. He stayed measured. He stayed patient. And then, I mean, he probably only touched him a couple of times, but when he did, he put him down. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good for him. With that performance, he'll probably be somewhere towards the top um, of the rankings. I was just wanted to take a look here at the light heavyweight rankings. And um, interesting. Third. Yes. He was ranked third, and Walker was ranked number seven. Um, so, yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. Um, so, is going to stay there because they're not going to move him above Jamal Hill or Jerry Prozhatska. No. No, exactly. And we'll have to see how all that works itself out. Right. Um, co-main event, Jim Miller picking up a dub over Gabriel Benitez. Um, really good performance um, for Jim Miller. Uh, was able to um, get a third round submission out of Benitez. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that the bigger overall story with this fight um, is Jim Miller not only again advancing his UFC record of most fights, most wins, yep. um, but doing so over young and up and coming talent and um, being a veteran in the sport for a long time. We've talked about being big proponents and I still am of older fighters fighting more strictly other older fighters um, instead of feeding them so much to the younger fighters, just so that the younger fighters can make names off of them. You have these guys that put in this time and sacrifice themselves and let's be honest, get paid even less Mm -hmm. than, other than the fighters of today um, or the up-and-coming fighters, they make even less. So then to also sacrifice them um, just for name value um, maybe isn't always the greatest way to pay back some of these guys that have done so much to help carve out the sport. But then you take a look at somebody like Jim Miller and what he's able to do um, and not necessarily be a gatekeeper um, of the division, but have him face some of these guys that these younger guys that are still questionable of what their potential in the UFC is and mm-hmm. having, you know, these veteran fighters face those guys, not the ones that are spiking towards the top, but these other guys that still have some questions and kind of filter that out, um, I think is a really good way to do it. And that was the biggest takeaway, not only of the fight, but of the whole card, really. Um, there's some other stuff, and we'll get into that. But, like, that was what showed off the biggest to me out of this card was just that there's a way to do this old versus new and to make it work and to not make it so that it's just um, almost like, uh, I don't know, what what's that? Not trophy hunting, but... What's that when motherfuckers hunt and then they just like feeder, like they go and sit at a feeder and then the animals come up and they just shoot them at the feeder. You know what I'm talking I about? I do. I don't know what the term is for that, but like the whole fish in a barrel thing. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah like, that's... yeah. Like kind of like anti-sport or whatever. That's how I look at sometimes when yeah. they take these like older guys that are former shells of themselves and are very chinny and whatever. And then they put them up against these like destroyers and it's like, why don't we just cut his head off? You know? <laughs> no, yeah. Um, it's, 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 you can't say it enough. It's a real testament to Jim Miller as far as what he's been able to do. And this isn't even the first time he's turned back one of these um, younger up-and-coming fighters. 
Um, and we've seen it go the other way so yes. many times. Yes. You know, I, I think uh, Frankie Edgar, Cub Swanson are recent um, examples that come to mind. So it it's good for the sport because it gives the seasoned veteran a chance against one of these younger fighters to show that they still have it. Um, but it also gives these younger fighters a good a good test for themselves to show them what it takes to be in there with somebody that's been around and done it, fought all these guys, and and now you can see, you know, what you're gonna what you're gonna need as you grow as a fighter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um no, I totally agree. And I think that the UFC is um kind of setting up some more future matchups um sort of based on this kind of like um you know overall um skill set old versus new but in a way that isn't egregious you know Mm -hmm. um i know we were talking about it before you had some examples of some up-and-coming fights that were like that so the ones i really wanted to highlight and for actually different reasons than like the jim miller one because the these examples, um, Charles Oliveira, Armin Sarukian, mm-hmm. and Dustin Poirier, Benoit Saint-Denis. Yes. There's, we talk about rank squatting sometimes. Yep. And that's not always the fighter's fault. You know, fighters don't usually like to fight people below their rank. I get that, especially when they get that higher rank. But this is how that turnover is supposed to work as far as rankings go, right? You... You're going to have to fight some of these younger guys. Dustin Poirier has been top 10, top 5 for how many years now? Yeah. And is is going to give a shot to Benoit Saint-Denis. Yep. And same thing with Charles Oliveira, Armin Sarukian. Like, at some point, it's almost that catch-22, right? Like, how many – if you're one of these younger fighters coming up, how many times can you fight somebody outside the top 10 or fringe top 10 mm-hmm. before you're trying to put yourself in – Title contention. What's title contention? The top three to top five? Right. Right? So what, So what's the catch? Well, I have to beat somebody in the top three, top five to get to the top three, top five. I can't beat, you know, the 11th ranked guy, the 10th ranked guy, the 9th ranked guy, and then all of a sudden be ranked third. Yep. You know what I'm saying? No, exactly. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, Dustin Poirier versus Benoit Saint-Denis, very much that type of thing. You have uh, number three versus number 11, mm-hmm. um, opposite ends of the top 15 spectrum. Um, the Charles Oliveira, Armin Sarukian, not so much Armin Sarukian shot up the rankings. And once again, I don't want to get too fucking beholden by these rankings. Cause these are still like, That's true. you know, the, the measurement of which is very questionable, but, um, over his last win, Armin Sarukian was able to shoot up from not even ranked to now he's number four. Interesting. Yeah. So, and that's just been recently, but still, if you would have taken a look before his stoppage over Beryl, um, Benil Duryush, uh, it would have, you know, a lot of people, I, I think, that wouldn't have even known who Armin Sarukian it was. So, yeah, so they've interjected him up at four, but, um, yeah, how this how this whole thing goes. I mean, he's, like, let's be honest, he skipped over um, Gamrot, um, you know, Tur- Turner, Benoit Saint-Denis, Green, Dober, he's, you know, jumped over right. a lot of guys. Not that it's not legitimate, right? I mean, right. being able to put on the kind of performances that he does, facing someone like Oliveira with um, the kind of, uh, at, um, you know, overall expectations, I think all of that is is on point. It's just, um, yeah, it's just like, who knows? Who knows about these whole rank things? But you're right. 
this whole sport is about giving guys, the up and coming guys, the chance to prove it. And in somebody with, you know, Dustin Poirier, who's shown to be at the top five or even Charles Oliveira for mm -hmm. many years, that's exactly what you want, you know? Yeah. But then you have these guys that clearly aren't in the top five, 10, 15, like Jim Miller or whatever. Right. And um, even Andre Arlovsky, who also fought on the card. And um, you point. want, and, and so, yeah. And so some of that matchup is better. I even thought, you know, getting back to the card, I even thought that um, the Andre Arlovsky fight, as far as the matchup was a great fight. And I think that if Andre hadn't been so um, conservative in his output, I think he could have done more. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Acosta was able to hit him with a lot of stuff and wasn't able to do much with him. Right. It's just Andre played this very reserved defensive battle. And because he didn't get off a lot of offense, um, he, there wasn't any rounds he put away and, um, in the, in the scoring criteria. And so he lost a decision, which I thought was justified, but it just seemed like Andre didn't have a willingness to engage. Right. I think right. He, he may have been more worried about getting a stoppage himself, but at the same time, like can't be the pit bull and not be a pit bull <laughs> i mean i it's it's been a long time since andre's been the pit bull unfortunately <laughs> uh, one of my favorite heavyweight fighters back in the day i mean but we're talking about going back to like the ufc 30s right right right, right. um but that's that's why i think i think he was afraid of getting knocked out i think that's why he fights like that nowadays yeah like, like he technically he's still fairly sound but he knows how easy he is to get knocked out and that's no and that's completely fine but then you have to switch your game up right you yeah. got to get some takedowns you got to put the fighter in positions you know do better clinch work you got to figure out where you're stronger where these other fighters aren't where you can still get off offense mm -hmm. as opposed to just be defensive right you know um yeah I mean, plus dude's like 45 i know i know but at the same time it's just like i'm just such a fucking arlovsky fan and watching that watching him him like like it wasn't Acosta that beat him it was in my aspect like Acosta won but it was Andre who prevented himself from getting the victory yeah it was like giving it away yeah exactly and so, and that's what hurts even more than him like going forward and maybe getting stopped is that like dude like you're a former heavyweight champion you know what I'm saying yeah like yeah there's a lot of talk about Jim Miller having the most wins and the most fights and stuff but like Andre's right fucking behind him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of a bitter pill, pill to swallow. Um, getting back to the card, though, the other big story out of the, off of the fight night was um, Mario Batista showing, um, getting a win over Ricky Simone, um, showing that he's definitely somebody to take under consideration in the Bantamweight division. Ricky Simone's somebody who's been, a top prospect here for a little while. Yeah, so I didn't agree with the odds on that fight because I expected Mario Batista to win. And nothing against Ricky Simon, but he has, for his UFC career, he's been one of those guys that doesn't beat the upper, the upper tier of fighters. Yeah, you know, like he's yeah. he's a good performance. He's got good skills, but he doesn't tend to beat um, the guys that are going to move up into the top ten. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, no, that's a good point. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I could see that, especially given, uh, Batista's last record, but yeah, he was able to come in here and, um, upset the odds makers mm -hmm. in it. Um, and so, yeah, he looked good. Um, Bruno. Yeah. Bruno Fajeda had a great win over yeah. Phil Haas. Phil Haas. Another knockout. 
Um, uh, for Phil Haas, Phil Haas has been knocked out <laughs> yeah. in his last four fights, um, or, or out of his last five, four out of his last five. Yeah, yeah, but this one was um, fairly, fairly quick. It was first round, and it was the end of the first round. But yeah, uh, yeah Bruno was dominant. Yeah, you know, he was yeah, getting yeah. takedowns. He was controlling him on the ground. He was muscling him, which is tough to do because Phil Haas <laughs> is a strong dude. And then, um, yeah, to get the TKO. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Look out for Br- look out for Bruno. Yep. Um, anything caught your eye on the undercard? Anything you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, my boy Weston Wilson got smoked. <laughs> that was your boy. <laughs> no, I I thought I thought he was going to win that fight. What the fuck? Dude, I know. Are you and kidding we me? talked about this when the fight was going on. Um, Dude, he was a fucking six to one fucking. I know. Underdog. I know. But he had sixteen wins, sixteen finishes. I thought that he was one of those guys that on his on game he could he could win and he just didn't even show up. Dude, when 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 the when his opponent comes out with an Undertaker style um entrance that takes like 20 minutes for it to happen, <laughs> you got to know. Okay, it's over. Okay. okay. Um no. Right. No, um but all seriousness, we talked about it during the fight and um or after the fight ra- during the fight card and um yeah, I knew the writing was on the wall beforehand when they were doing the little pre-fight interviews. They were showing the little snippets, and Weston was like, um, saying he was like, yeah, he's like, I'm a computer programmer, but I'm looking to come in here and be a, a household name of MMA and stuff. And I was just like, bro, like, what, <laughs> like, 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 you're, you know, you got another job. Yeah. You want the glamour. You're coming in here for like the fame part of it, like. And you're facing somebody who's a fucking killer. This Gene uh, uh, Silva dude has, like, knocked out everybody he's fought. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah. Anyways, it's what it was. Another KO. Fucking one. You know? Yeah, I, I was wrong. <laughs> like, what can I say? <laughs> what can I say, man? You can't you can't win them all. No, exactly. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know... A couple of big things that stuck out to me um, was uh, Marcus McGee uh, picking up uh, a very decisive second-round knockout um, over Gaston Bolanos. Um, he looks – Marcus McGee looks like um, somebody you really got to look at in the future, as well as Joshua Van, who started out the fight um, – the fight card. He fought Felipe Bruins. Um, Bunes and you know in the first round Felipe looked like he was getting off on Joshua Joshua wasn't like really doing much but he really was taking that round and even though he was getting touched he was making all of his calculations and measurements because when he came out the second round he had the timing on perfect and he put it on him and just got him out of there in the second round just looked like it was like two completely different fighters you know what I'm saying the first round just like constantly getting hit staying measured and really being slow with the engagement and the second coming out there and just fucking them up so and especially at flyweight that's fine when you're fighting the felipe buñezes of the world Mm -hmm. but that's something you can't continue to do as you continue to move up oh agree oh agree yeah because if you take off the first round like that could be it for you yeah yeah exactly um but this dude um you know relatively new um with his record and so yeah, we'll have to see um, how it all works out. But, yeah, not a bad card, all things considered, for the first fight night of the year. Right. Um, let's see. We also had a boxing match um, this last weekend. Um, Arthur Betterbeev uh, demolished 
Kellen Smith. I don't know if you had had a chance to see that or not. Just just the highlights, because this wasn't something I knew about before you told me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not something that was on my radar. I was even looking forward to watching, and I I think I missed it. But I did watch the highlights, and yeah, I mean Arthur <laughs> looks yeah. like a he looks like a world killer, man. Yeah, twenty win, twenty fights, twenty wins, twenty chaos, twenty chaos. Um, yeah, so. The thing that surprises me about Arthur is he's one of these like guys that every punch that hits his opponent looks like it hurts. Mm-hmm. Like looks like it does damage. Even though it looks like just, you know, a regular straight or a regular hook. It doesn't look when he throws it like there's anything there, but then the way his opponent reacts, you're just like Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah. So awesome fight. Um yeah, I'll be really looking forward to see what happens with him. Um, in the future, one had a fight night card, um, one fight, one on prime 18. Um, yeah. What did you, Yep, I did get to see that. Um, a lot of really good scraps on that card. Maybe not as many names, at least not that I recognized, but, um, some really good competitive fights. Um, I'm trying to, I want to. What's that one that was really impressive? It was uh, Karoti, who really acquitted himself. Like, showed up, came to fight, was game, was able to get back up after getting floored by some of the nastiest elbows I've seen. Um, but and, and even dropped Sua Black. Sua Black. That's yeah. what it was, Sua Black. Even dropped Sua Black. Um, but not enough to get the decision. I, but again, he came out ready to fight, ready to get the finish, did everything he could. Uh, just couldn't get so black, but that was a killer fight. That was such an awesome fight to watch. Yeah, um, seemed like it, there was a lot of uh, Muay Thai kickboxing fights on the card. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty good card, all things considered. I thought that the um, main event also um, Gassinoff versus Hotek O um, mm-hmm. was good. I thought that it was a good back and forth. Both those guys showed. Um, a lot of heart they both well um Gaslov was kind of dominating Hotek but then Hotek would show a lot of heart and push it back and then you know and Gaslov would try to control him and wrestle him and take him down and Hotek would get out of it and they would keep going round and round and round like Mm -hmm. that for the entire fight um but yeah it made for an entertaining fight I thought that Gaslov won the decision which he did win the decision but um still good fight card um he did and there was one more a guy that had to come back from adversity um, I believe it was Jiwon Kang, Jiwon Kong. Okay. Um, the guy is really young in his career. He's only got like five fights, I think. Oh yeah, no, um, that that is true. He, he was, was he yeah. was three and zero, and he was looking good. And then he ran into one of those Norwegian dudes and got ragdolled and submitted. And that's how this fight started out. Yeah, he was yeah. getting ragdolled. Looked like he was going to get submitted. Um, was getting bloodied. Was getting ground and pounded. But um. Second round came out. Yep. And uh, I don't know if his opponent just got tired or if he just finally found the switch and turned it on. But yeah, he ended up coming back and getting a uh, ground and pound TKO. Yeah. I was really happy to see that. Yeah. Uh, his opponent, Jamal Abdul Lataf, um, was reminded me a lot of the type of Hamzat style. Um, came out really aggressive, got mm-hmm. to take down, got a, his opponent's back, was threatening with submission, wasn't able to get the submission in the first round, and then the second round came and 
like you said, um, didn't have near his intensity and started getting touched a lot. And yeah. then he got knocked out. Um, so yeah, so you're right. And we had, I had watched, um, Ji Wu Kong fight before. And when he got taken down and, um, his opponent got his back, I was like, this fight's over. <laughs> I know. You know? know, and then it wasn't. And then he ended up coming back. So yeah, you're right. I remember that. Um, another, Good fight that I remember. Another good performance, rather, was a uh, Juan to Quan um, picking up a uh, uh, KO, second round KO over um, Zoltseg. Zoltseg. Yeah, that um, was, yeah, that was a good one. That was. Yeah, because Zoltseg, it was kind of the opposite. Where the first round, it was kind of back and forth. You could tell that uh, Juan to Quan wanted to get it on the ground and do his ground and pound. Yeah. that was where he was strong. But um, Solzteg really was trying to avoid that in the first round, and it, it made it a good sort of back and forth. And then the second round, Juan, Juan Tuquan just was able to continue to take him down, get him down, have him stay down, and was able to finish him there with some pretty nasty ground and pound. And then Juan Tuquan did a uh, post-fight um, press interview where he was like, or a promo where he was cutting it, and he was like, <laughs> You know, talking shit. He was like, uh, Mayweather, I wanted to fight you, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, this is fucking awesome. That's so. a bunch of that's a that's a bunch of character. But then he called out on Drage. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. uh yeah. I mean he's he's got his sights set high and he's a character. You know, he's one of those guys that if, as long as he backs it up in the ring, he'll go far because he's got that charismatic personality. Yeah, exactly. That uh transcends over and um yeah and it's just so funny especially like in an organization like one like you don't hear a lot of like cussing like in in promos just <laughs> yeah. in general in mma like you know what i'm saying like you mm. should i don't know necessarily should but like it feels like you should and then especially not in one you know um over there um in thailand and stuff just like a lot of respect respect yeah. to everybody all the way around yeah. and so for him to get out there and like to you know kind of have this like professional wrestling type promo and stuff and just be like yeah and you know and he's like and, and i don't remember who the other guy was it was someone else he's like yeah and you too he's like i'm gonna fight you motherfucker <laughs> yeah. and he was just smiling about it and stuff and it was just you could tell it was just like i don't know it, it was good i was like i like this guy so yeah, yeah me too yeah so Excited good card to see him fight again yep good card ufc's anti-doping policy takes effect yeah so they removed <clears throat> usada who they had partnered with for years mm -hmm. And I know we talked about why it happened. They can say whatever they want, but they were fine until the whole McGregor until situation. Usada decided they weren't going to grant McGregor an exemption. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, that was it. Then the name calling starts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dana White says, and and the into impromptu press conferences <laughs> to be like, hey, look, we're not going to throw shade on these guys, and then for an hour and a half proceed to just do nothing but throw it's, shade on them. I know it's yeah. it's it's so ridiculous. I know. So, I know. um, so a couple of the things, a couple of the names and governing bodies to be familiar with um the dfsi stands for drug free sport international um this is going to be the collection and shipping agency mm. <clears throat> so it's not unlike usada it's not all handled in in-house usada was responsible for collection shipping testing all of that now it's kind of been broken down into different compartments where DFSI is going to be responsible for collecting the samples from the fighters and shipping them. And they will be shipping them to 
the SMRTL, Sports Medicine and Research Testing Laboratory. Interesting. So those will be the ones that actually do the testing and, you know, and then give the results to yet another <laughs> body. <laughs> um, the CSAD, the Combat Sports Anti-Doping Agency. And the reason why it's going to be important to remember all of these things is when down the line, when we start to see how this takes shape right. and how... Um, you know, sanctions are handed out or not handed out or exemptions are given out or not given out. Um, these are going to be the people we're going to be talking about um, as it goes. As a side note, the Combat Sports Anti-Doping Agency, who will be the sanctioning and mm-hmm. governing body, right. is entirely funded by the UFC. Yes. So let's just throw that out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they went from having a third party that would do the testing um you know, do grant out the exemptions, grant out the punishment, all of that to making it more in-house and using this new company to just do the processing, getting the samples, obtaining the samples and maybe even testing them, but then providing all the information to the UFC for the UFC to then kind of, um, way over, you know, to, to hold judgment over. Um, it's, it's all fine and dandy, as long as you have faith that the decisions are going to be made from an ethical and biased type of, you know, um, standing and, and maybe not so much that, but, but really like not used as a sort of ploy in fight negotiation, fighter relations, um, those kinds of things. Or you, favoritism towards yes. certain types of fighters, yes. which we've seen before from the UFC. Exactly. And so, um, and so, yeah, which the UFC is notorious for, if anything, especially with um, the uh, UFC uh, court case, mm-hmm. um, the lawsuit, the um, um, moving forward and all that recently coming out, the text messages of um, Lorenzo Fatita versus, uh, to Dana White and back and forth of um, John Jones and how they were viewing that whole situation. Yeah. Um, did that make you any more of a, like, uh, did you have any more, um, I don't know, not necessarily a fan, but did, but you know what I'm saying? But knowing that like the UFC was like trying to, you know, <laughs> fuck with Jones, did that give you any kind of like resolve no. in that situation? Oh, no. I just, I don't know. I just was no, checking. No, of course not. Because, because this is how the UFC does business. Right. So no, I have no sympathy or empathy for something they put John Jones through when knowing that they not only moved an entire event for John Jones mm-hmm. because he couldn't get sanctioned because of his past drug failures. Mm-hmm. They moved it an entire in a week's notice. They moved an entire fight card states away. Yeah. And not only that, they literally rewrote the rules for the thresholds for different types of drugs and their sanctions for John Jones. So no, okay. no, that doesn't, doesn't change anything. The only thing, the only thing I think it does is, hopefully remind people all of the nice things they're saying about John Jones right now and all the hype they're giving him. That's, that's only for the viewers. That's not how they really feel about John Jones. They know yeah. exactly what type of person, what type of fighter he is and yeah. how he would have done in at heavyweight under different circumstances, which is why everything has played out the way it has yeah. in John Jones career. Yeah. No, anything, any kind of praise that the UFC gives, um, it, whether it be John Jones or not to their other fighters is 
really completely off of trying to drum up as much hype and sales for the future fights or whatever. That's mm-hmm. the whole point of it, you know, because as soon as they can't make any sort of more money off of the fighter, then you'll be a Francis Ngannou. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I just... I just wanted to check. I was, I was thinking, when I was watching <laughs> yeah. that, I was like, I wonder, you know. No. Um, no. Yeah. Speaking of Francis Ngannou, Francis has his next fight that has been set. Um, boxing match versus Anthony Joshua in the desert. Which this is huge. Yes. Right? Because yes. uh, we had done on a previous show, we had um, tried to lay stakes and try to guess what the next move would be, what would happen, and what we wanted to see personally and i think this is the best case scenario right not only do we get to see him in the boxing ring again which he's obviously really good at but we get to see him against one of the other top boxers in the world anthony mm-hmm. joshua yep and uh I'm, I'm really excited for it. i'm excited that he's gonna get a ton of money i'm excited that the ufc has to deal with seeing this go down in the country that they love to put fights on in Riyadh, <laughs> you know, they thought that was their, they thought that was their, um, backyard, but it's not. Riyadh's like, we make so much more money on boxing <laughs> fights. Like we're even going to make you reschedule your UFC bouts so that we can have boxing matches here. Like yeah. that's, that's what's so funny about this whole thing to me is how, how much power the, the Francis has shown he has, aside from the UFC and over the UFC. No, I, yes, exactly. And, um, yeah, I mean, but once again, just as we talked about that, it's a double-edged sword with the whole promotional, um, bandwagoning of the UFC. I think that right now, you know, obviously they want to do everything they can to undermine or, um, you know, discredit or take away from what Francis Ngannou is doing in the world of boxing and, in that whole scenario, but then also, um, you know, um, I think that if at some time in the future, if, I don't know, they were able to come to some sort of deal and not that necessarily would, but at the same time, if they can figure out a way to make money, I wouldn't be surprised with Francis Ngannou. If the UFC could figure out a way to make money with Francis Ngannou in some sort of capacity, I wouldn't be surprised to hear him like, you know, Oh, he's the best heavyweight champ we ever uh, had. Of all time. He's the greatest yes. of all time. No, but, no, yeah. baddest man on the planet. No, these are exactly the things you, you would hear. This is how you know how petty Dana and the UFC are, is because they could still be using Francis's name mm-hmm. to drum up hype for the UFC. Because they could still say, hey, this was the last heavyweight champ we had, and look at what he's doing over in boxing now. They could use all of that to be pushing... Not just MMA, but UFC and their heavyweight division, and they're not doing it. Like they, they're so, they're so petty and they're so butthurt about the whole thing that they can't do anything besides try and find ways to make him look bad. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, also on that fight card, uh, Joshua versus Francis fight card is um, Zhang versus Parker. The Chinese heavyweight versus Joseph Parker, who just got a win over Deontay Wilder yeah. in his last fight, yeah. which I think is a great fight um, to have as especially the undercard fight and has implications on, could have implications on the winner. Not only that, um, but the Usig versus Fury um, heavyweight title fight mm-hmm. that's going to happen, I think, a little bit before that um, is also has implications on it 
here's what I was thinking about when that whole thing was released, the whole Joshua versus France thing was released. Like, how perfect is it? Everything has worked out the way it has. Like, literally, I don't think you could figure out a more perfect way of, like, of working this out. By that, what I mean is, like, Francis faces Fury, right? Mm -hmm. He drops him. A lot of people, including Joshua, felt like Francis um, was able to win the fight against Fury. But they gave the decision to Fury, okay? So, Francis gets the rub, and... Fury doesn't necessarily, it lightens the blow of the whole fight because technically he got a win, even though, though yeah, a lot of people don't see it that way. But now what that's done is if if Francis would have went and just destroyed him, like let's say Francis would have knocked him out, right? Mm -hmm. Then Francis becomes like the real heavyweight champion and then it hurts boxing because then he's knocked out the heavyweight champion isn't technically the heavyweight champion. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, but with Fury getting the W and it having these big asterisks over it, and now Nanganu going to face Joshua, it's created this four man uh, tournament at the top and has brought all of this really, um, you know, eyes and a lot of like, uh, hype to boxing that boxing, heavyweight boxing has not had in fucking over a decade. I know. And so now, and how it all works out. I mean, if Francis is able to KO Joshua, for instance, even look, even look good against Joshua. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. And pick up, especially if he's able to pick up a win. Okay. If he can get a win over Joshua, whatever that looks like. And, you know, maybe, fights fury again in a rematch like how big is that right well it might not even be, what if it's what if it's you that's what i'm saying i mean or it could be you yeah. and then you want to see it too but i'm just saying no matter how this works itself out now it's done the rub for boxing yeah. it's done the rub for like everything has worked out mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and like you like if you were fucking vince mcmahon planning this shit out on a, <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you couldn't have done a better way of making it work out that way and so I just, I, I just, I don't know. I thought about that. I was just like, man, this is like the best thing that could have happened for not only Francis Ngannou and his career, which is true, not only for combat sports, which is, you know, mm-hmm. which is true and MMA, but also for boxing, you know, boxing yeah. didn't take, boxing didn't take an L in this. They've, if anything, it's only been a win, you know, Agreed. fucking with Francis. And Agreed. so, and so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, and those numbers are going to be much different this time around. You got the boxing world, you got the MMA world, you got now even just the fucking casuals that are, you know, becoming more aware of the situation. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a completely different thing. Because that's what Francis did. He single-handedly legitimized the whole thing. Yeah. Right? Like cuz it wasn't even with McGregor doing what he did, it wasn't legitimized. Now it has been. So, yeah, I mean, again, all the credit goes to Francis Ngannou for yeah for doing what he's done. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, another new matchup um, in the works, Stamp, which we talked about in the beginning of the show, has her return fight scheduled. Um, she is facing... Denise Ambuaga, the menace. Denise the menace, that doesn't sound right. It should be Dennis the menace. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, but Denise anyway. the menace. Yeah. A- anyway, yeah, so Stamp's back. She's going to defend one of her three belts, right? Because mm-hmm. she's a three-sport champ. Mm-hmm. And um, one fight night, 166, it'll be held in Qatar. 
And I didn't know much about this, Denise. And then looking at her record, I was able to see that she, her only loss, she has two losses and they're both to Seo Nguyen. Which I I believe that's who Stamp beat for the belt. For the belt. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, so um, Denise, I'm not being too familiar, but she's 10 and 2. Stamp is 11 and 2 in her MMA record. So, it is a good fight. It's, it's a, good, a great fight. Yeah, it's yeah, a, I'm excited it's a good to matchup. See it. Yeah. Excited to see Stamp defending. She should be really busy this year having three belts to defend. Um, so I'm like that she's um, getting getting started on the right foot. Um, hopefully she gets out without too much damage and she's able to move on to kickboxing or Muay Thai and defend one of those. Yeah, I would, I would definitely favor her in that fight as well. Um, that will be on um, one... One one sixty six card, uh, one's one hundred and sixty six card. Um, interesting. Um, um, you know. Um, but it's uh in Qatar on March first. The main event is the rematch of Deritter versus Malikin. Super stoked. Shoop. Uh, super stoked for this fight. Yes. Um, I, I like both of these fighters. I I don't see how Anatoly Malakin doesn't take this though the only thing the only thing i'm worried about is because he went down and weighed to 205 to fight de ritter yeah beat him then went back up in heavyweight mm-hmm. to face um the heavyweight champion beat him arjun bular yeah beat yeah. him and now is going back to light heavyweight and being you know just the weight cutting back and forth do you see what I'm saying? Which that, could be. Yes. Could could have drastic You're implications. Right. That that's my only thing that I'm worried about. You're right. But just stylistically, I don't yeah, I don't see what DeRitter's gonna have. But at the same time, I don't think the first time they fought, DeRitter was thinking probably much of Anatoly and what he was gonna bring. And now it's a completely different game. So okay. I could see that. But DeRitter didn't even look good in his grappling only match. His well, submission no. grappling match. But he was yeah, but he was also facing one of the Rotello brothers. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. And I get that, but he wasn't even aggressive. I know. If anything, like, he being was the just, bigger man, yeah. being the far bigger man in that he wasn't aggressive at all. I know, I know. We've seen it live. I know. Um and if anything, he was just being defensive and trying not to engage. In those grappling f- matches, you really can't do that. You have one round to get, not with, you know? Not with one's judging yeah, criteria. Yeah. I think in, like, the Abu Dhabi and stuff, maybe defense gets a little bit further, but... On a point system? On a point system, but yeah. the only way you get anywhere in ones is by going for catches. Like, literally, you yeah. just got to be aggressor. Whoever's being the more aggressive is going to win because mm-hmm. that's the more entertaining, more... Yeah, you're going to get more catches. Yeah. You're going to get... And a catch is where you're close to a submission. You don't yeah. have to get the submission. You just yeah, got to exactly. lock something up and attempt it. Yeah, so yeah, so that'll be that'll be awesome. Um, yeah, it'd be a good card that looks like it's taking place. These man Qatar. Uh, speaking of that, the Ty Rotolo is also on that one fight card, um, and um, the former heavyweight champion of one is also on that fight card. So yeah, they're stacking up that Qatar card nice. um, as much as they can. Um, but yeah, getting back to it, Qatar man, fucking over there. They're, you know, the Middle East, they want all the big fights. Like, they're paying from, like, mm-hmm. they're paying boxing for the biggest fights. Mm-hmm. You know, like we just talked about, the Joshua versus Nganu is going to be over there. It's going to end Riyadh season, even though Nganu versus Fury opened Riyadh season. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, one, this big card they're paying. The UFC, um, which uh, 
we can get into now because it was also um, on the highlights. UFC Fight Night 238 was supposed to be um, there and then was rescheduled yep. because they were like, hey, we're paying a lot of money for this. This isn't up to our standards. Oh, not even close. Yeah, that it, that yeah. 238 fight card, not to disparage any of the fighters on it, but yeah, as far as what those Middle Eastern cities are bringing in yeah. as far as entertainment value. Yeah. And, and yeah, the money not, that they're putting forward for yeah. that, they're like, this isn't going to work. Like, go back to yeah. the apex. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. So they've rescheduled it and they're probably going to end up bringing, you know, title fights, maybe Islam's, you know, defense will be there. Um, a yeah. lot of speculation on it, but yeah, but it's just, it's really interesting how, that is also, it wasn't really talked about as the biggest story of last year, but it was definitely one of the biggest stories, and it will continue to be a big story in combat sports is, um, you know, the more of these big fight cards being held over there and kind of trying to centralize that as, you know, a, the, the, a major spot, if not the home of combat sports in the world. Like, they, they're throwing crazy money. I mean, if, if you're a fighter and you're trying to get paid the most money, they're they're the ones that are offering the biggest checks right now. It doesn't matter what the sport is. Well, and Qatar just had the World Cup yeah. too. Like yeah. like it's and it's almost not even combat sports. It's just we want all the big events. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, so wait for the Olympics to be there. Yeah. Wait for you know all the biggest events you're gonna see. They're gonna be seeing coming out of there. Yeah. So. Moving on. Speaking of big events, we have PFL versus Bellator champs. Um. Champ what, versus champ. Yeah, is what it's being called is just champs. Um, all the PFL heavy. This is what we talked about before um, in prior shows. PFL buying, ob- obtaining Bellator. Right. Having all the champions face each other on a pay-per-view, mm-hmm. which is set for February 24th. Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, it's at noon because it's being held in Saudi Arabia. It's going to be there's a pay-per-view that's being held at noon on Saturday. That's interesting. Yeah. Um didn't realize that. But yeah. Um there's the fight card. What you what do you think? Well, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> you know, <laughs> As like, we just talked they gotta about. They got to get their they got to get their piece. Yeah. Um I'm I'm stoked. I mean, look at these matchups. Um Henan Fajeda, Ryan Bader, yep. right? Awesome matchup. Impa Kasangane, the brand newly crowned PFL champ yep. versus Johnny Eblen. Yep. Um Jesus Pinedo, uh, Patricio Pitbull. I mean, and the list goes on, yeah. man. Like that's Mohamed Karadov versus Jackson. Um, yeah, Capazola yeah. versus Nemkov. Nemkov. I know. Santiago Santos, Santos versus Yo Romero. <laughs> Clay Collard, AJ McKay Jr. AJ McKay. Like I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, like this is what this is what can be done. Yes. And and I'm okay. So technically, this isn't cross promotion anymore because PFL it's bought one Bellator. promotion. But still, it. it I mean, technically. It is because it is. they're both different. They're they both are. are different promotions, even though they're owned by the same right. company. And they were only recently just bought, yeah. so they were their own separate entities that built these fighters and um, put them where they're at. But this is, it's, it shows you what can be done. Yeah, when you can set aside certain things and when you're able to cross promote and, and put business and, as the most important. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, what a what a stacked card. These are going to be great fights. And yeah, this is something you know. Um, Ryzen does it. I know. You know. I know. Ryzen's. Yeah, they've done it multiple times with Bellator. They'll. You know. Yeah, they're more likely to do it with um, anybody. Um, and yeah, and so yeah, who knows what the world is gonna be like moving forward? Um, I think that 
you know, it's going to get to that point where it's only going to be to the detriment of the promotions that chose not to, because if all these other, if one gets involved, if these other promotions get involved, then, you know, well, look at how much we love seeing this in boxing. How much do we love it when a boxer unifies all the belts at a certain weight class, right? Like it's, it's, it's good to see. It's good to see where you stack up against another division's champs or another promotion's champs. Like that's, that's the whole point of this, you know? And I, I'm I love it. I'm here for it. Yes, me too. Um, I will definitely be watching this card. Um, be interesting to see how it all turns out. Um, yeah, but great job, great job on putting it together and adding other fights to the card that are also going to be um, that hold a lot of interest. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Um, also. There was some um, speculation, maybe, or some new some rumors going around of Mark Hunt to be KFC. <laughs> we could only hope. We could only be so lucky. Um, I don't know if this is something he has to wait for current um, legal issues, legal proceedings to finish before he can do that. I wouldn't necessarily think so. I think it's, it's all not... done. I think he lost, so I think it's over. Okay, so he doesn't have yeah. it. There's no appeals or anything. Yeah. Okay, even if it. Even if it wasn't, it's not MMA, so he still should be free to um, do that. But definitely one of the guys I want to see in bare-knuckle fighting, um, a guy that I think would do very well there, and he said it himself. That's something he wants to do Mm -hmm. and he's looking forward to. So I don't know if he's been contacted. I don't know how concrete and realistic this is. Yeah, now now this is something that you had had brought forth, um, and – I have some questions and I know that you're not going to probably be able to answer them, but I'm going to ask them anyway. Um, so did he say that he was interested in bare knuckle fighting or did he say BKFC as a brand specifically? It was bare knuckle boxing. It was bare knuckle boxing. Not BKFC. Okay. So, cause there's also, yeah. Cause that game bread right. is also offering right. a lot. Speaking of that, they have a card coming up. Uh, Junior Dos Santos versus Alan Belcher for their heavyweight I did see championship. That. I did see that. So, um, you know, depending. I mean, they're all I'm saying is they're looking for heavyweight fighters as well, and we'll pay them to get involved. So, um, but no matter what, I'd be no matter what, I'd love to see Mark. I'm, I'd love to see Mark Hunt compete. I love to see Mark Hunt, you know, fight. See what it looks like in bare knuckle. See somebody with yeah. that much power hitting uh, people. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm down. So any of these bare knuckle promotions, reach out to Mark Hunt. Us as fans and viewers want to see that. Mm-hmm. So get them on there so that we can. Tune in and, you know, watch him beat the shit out of somebody. Yes, exactly. Um, imagine a walk-off bare-knuckle KO. Yes, from I can. Yeah, that was exactly <laughs> what I thought in my head when I was like, oh, dude, this would be fucking awesome. Yep. Um, and I, and, and it, it wouldn't matter to me. It wouldn't matter if it was BKFC or Game Bread uh, Boxing or whatever, right? I, I don't care. Bare-knuckle box, I don't give a shit. Right. I just want to see him fucking fight. Um, one thing... Um, that I want to circle back to that I just thought about talking about this when you talked about when I, or rather when I talked about seeing Mark Hunt giving someone um, severe brain concussion (laughs) was um, slap fighting. Okay. Okay. Now this is something that I didn't think about before, but then was just processing it with the UFC anti-doping policy. Um, the UFC is the one that's in charge of their anti-doping policy. They've paid this other organization to do the processing, right? Right. Why is slap fighting not held to the same standard? Do we need it to be? Do we care? Oh, so that's okay, a good question. So okay, 
I mean, I certainly don't care. So there's that. But <laughs> but here I am. Does are there performance enhancing drugs that make it less likely you'll be knocked out from a slap? Right, because that's the main difference between this slap fighting. I don't even know why they call it slap fighting. It's it's, 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 yeah, it's like it's Rochambeau. Not, it's, yeah, it's like yeah, it's li- it's literally Rochambeau. It's literally two people standing right each other's back. I kick you in the balls hard as I can. You kick me in the balls hard as you can. Whoever if, falls down loses. Yeah, if you're still standing, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's the whole thing. It's like you're not trading punches. No, you're this not, is not. Yeah, this is not a legitimate sport by any sort of means. Um, I don't I don't care how you cut it. Um, but. You're right. I don't know if there is, but what I do know is that <laughs> is that they tested their slappers um, on one of the on one of their previous cards, and like they were not only at going to the hospital for fucking weight cutting and fucking other bullshit, um, you know, not I don't know, just a whole bunch of obscene circus type shit, but um, they were failing for like meth. And for, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even kidding you. Um, and just and, and oh, not and not that I don't know if meth is a fucking. Why am I not surprised? I know I don't know if it's a <laughs> if it's a performance enhancer. I don't I don't know. Oh, but I'm just fuck. saying, I'm just saying that like it it just if anything it just kind of like shows once again of how much this shit is not legitimate. Yeah. You know, it, mm-hmm. even from the promotion that owns it, if you're gonna be in control of you're anti-doping and, and having MMA, you know, your MMA fighters go through all of it. But then, you know, you, you own this other organization that's supposed to be <laughs> combat. You're doing everything to push as combat sports, yeah. but then won't hold it to even slightly. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Anyway, I just thought about that. And was just like, wait a minute. What the fuck does. That's what? fucking yeah. awesome. So, um, yeah, let's get back. Let's get back to the real shit. Okay. Um, Lauren Murphy was pulled from the rankings um, based on being inactive. Yeah. And that um, I think it's this month or next month, it would have been a year hmm. since her last performance. And so she was pulled from... Um, here's here's the thing, though. That's not... She wasn't pulled from the rankings due to inactivity. Oh, she wasn't. You, They can say that. Yeah. But that's not true because we see other fighters be inactive for years. And that is why I wanted to bring it up in this And thing. they're not ever removed from rankings. Yes. So they're upset with her over something else. It yes. It has nothing to do with her inactivity. Yes, exactly. Maybe they wanted her to fight someone. She was like, hey, I want to fight the person. Or yeah. maybe she was like, I'm not ready to fight back. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, well, guess what? Boom, we pulled your ranking. She was in the top 10 mm-hmm. of the rankings. I mean, maybe was even right around the top five. And to pull somebody out from that, not only, um, you know, does that like discredit all the work they've put in to get there. Right. But Mm -hmm. then also, I mean, it severely damages your paycheck. Exactly. Which is the bigger overall thing for these fighters who have to fight not only to get paid their, their money to show up, but then have to win to get paid their full money. Mm -hmm. And now you're making, you know, your overall statement is even less than that. And especially somebody like Laura Murphy, who's like, you know, fought a lot for women's MMA. Yeah. And in a yeah. weight division where you don't really have, like, you know, you know, like so many overall, you know, it's not like it's like completely filled up. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Yeah. So just, no, that was my, that was my perception as soon as I heard it too, is because it hadn't even been a year yet and they pulled her and I'm yeah. just like, dude, you got, you guys kept, you know, 
fucking other fighters up there in the top five in other weight divisions who hadn't fought for like multiple years. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I mean, fuck, I don't know. We could go through all the list names and a lot of them, everybody knows, you know, Jones, Poirier, fucking, yeah. there's a whole bunch of those guys. And why would you do it to Laura Murphy? Because, and then, you know, we talked about the anti-doping thing and these are the same type of petty individuals that are in control yes. of this. I mean, <laughs> yes. I mean, it all, it all circles. It's all these back the, to the same fucking pot. The petty predatory tactics that the UFC uses to strong arm. It's quote unquote, independent contractors into doing whatever the fuck they want. Yep. Remember when they did that to Leon Edwards? Who's yes. Now their champion. Yes. Like it wasn't a full year that he didn't fight. He just, I think he just turned down a, a fight with somebody and they were like, Oh like, yeah, we're going to pull you from the rankings. <laughs> and then, and then he gets a fight scheduled and I can't, I think it was the Bilal fight. And then all of a sudden he's right back in there ranked again. It's yeah. like, Oh, he's getting a title shot. If he wins this. And you're just like, you guys are fucking ridiculous. I know. Man. I know. Once again, like even showing how, how much fucking even once again, discrediting your own ranking system, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I don't know. And then to a guy that ended up becoming your champion. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a fucking circus show. I, at this point, it's like, I don't know. Of course, it's the same company that owns the UFC that owns this fucking slap fighting thing. Cause it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're yeah. both fucking these yeah. crazy circuses. So spectacles. Um, but yeah, with that, we will, uh, move on to, um, the end of round one. All right. It's <clears throat> a tough one. It's a close round. Um, all right, corner talk in between. I got um, contacted by one of our viewers and was asked a really interesting question. Oh, contacted? They yeah. contacted well, you. Well, you oh. know, it was via email. Okay, but I, but I feel like it was, I feel like it was personal. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, to you? Okay. <laughs> Dang. Okay. <clears throat> I want to hear it. And it was, and it, I liked it because it was more of a specific question as opposed to one of the broader, some of the broader questions that we get about the industry. I'm enthralled. Let's um, go. Yeah. So, all time. All things considered, who do you feel had the better career, Dan Henderson or Chuck Liddell? The better career. Yeah, and and I couldn't help but think of it, you know, like I do. I mean, it would have to be Chuck Liddell. See this, and and this is why I'm glad I'm asking you this because I I disagree. Now I okay. think I think if you only consider UFC careers, it's obviously Chuck Liddell. Overall, inside and outside, it's got to be Dan Henderson. Okay, so I guess what is the... Okay, here's my thing. Here's what I'm thinking of. Your career is by which the outside viewers or the outside whatever people are looking at it and how much you're able to like... How much your impact is felt overall with your career, right? And so Chuck Liddell um, being not only the type of fighter that he was at that time, but then also having the UFC to push him as hard as they were. I mean, let's be honest. He was like their, he was like their second, like he was one of their first stars. True. One of the first UFC stars. True. You know what I'm saying? There were other people before that the UFC was pushing hard, you know, Tito Ortiz and probably some other guys that they were pushing hard. But as far as like a legitimate star, like somebody who the sport overall was like back behind, the promotion was backing them, the the fans were backing, everything was working to, mm-hmm. to get that kind of, I mean, Chuck Liddell had to have been like the first one. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, and so that overall impact over time, um, 
leads me to believe that like he's had he had the better career because Henderson started fighting before Liddell. Um, he fought in he won UFC eight, I believe, or mm-hmm. thirteen, one of the two. Yeah. He won one of those tournaments. Um, but then he went over and fought in Pride, and he had, if you looked at it on paper, he had the more respectable overall record he fought like you know he, he fought the better fighters he fought the, the better, better fighters at the better times um was able to yeah, yeah and was yeah exactly and was able to pick up the better wins i mean he fought vanderlei twice at the height of vanderlei mm-hmm. um lost the decision then knocked him out ended up being a two division champ yeah no exactly from pride bringing over two belts all of that i'm 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 100 with you but as far as the as far as it being done now and their careers and what it's looked at through time, Chuck Liddell is somebody who even to today is still held as like this, you know, great former champion. Whereas Dan Henderson is more or less this guy that fought and is really known in today's circles if anything, as being the guy that like severely knocked out Michael Bisbing. And and that's not, and I'm not trying to like make it as an understatement. That's not how I view Dan Henderson, but I'm just saying in the overall aspect, it's hard enough to get, you know, newer, the newer audience to be any well, um, you know, educated on the sport, on what's transcended. We try to do the best job that we can with our platform here and others try to, too. The thing is, is that like time moves so fast that even like what was considered, you know, yesterday in the UFC is now considered like the classic period, right? Like the GSP period now is like when they think about like the beginning of the UFC now to today, that's what a lot of people think about. Exactly. Is that time. And that wasn't the beginning of the, yeah, that was the, that was when the UFC was like, it's like golden period of like hitting legitimacy and being, you know, well-recognized and, you know, turning out a lot of uh, viewership and stuff. That was like what that, what that era was. Um, but that's what I'm saying is mm-hmm. that like, as time moves on, the past gets diluted. And then what's left is like, not necessarily a direct reflection of what, what it was. So if you're asking me now to today, who had the better career, it's the the respect and the limelight has shown greater on Chuck Liddell in today's world than it has to Dan Henderson. And so that's why I would say it was Chuck Liddell. I'm not saying that's how I view it. <laughs> I'm not saying that if those two fought back then that I, I would take, you know, Chuck Liddell to beat Dan Henderson. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that, like, if I had to weigh it out with all those things considered, with you know, they have Chuck Liddell. They still have interviews with Chuck Liddell. And the motherfucker. I don't want to fucking be disparaging because he is an old legend, but he can't even fucking enunciate. He's just like grumbles through his hand. You can't even understand what he's saying. You know what I'm saying? But he's still held with that great esteem in, in those interviews and, and in those circles. And even to today, whereas when Dan Henderson's on some, it's just like, people are like, who's this guy? Oh yeah. He fought before. Oh yeah. He's the guy that knocked out Bisbee. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Okay. And so, and so, yeah. And so, and for whatever reason, for, for the UFC's promotion, for, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Whatever the reason is, because, <clears throat> because Chuck Liddell fought in the UFC. So because and, of nostalgia. Yeah. Or because Chuck Liddell fought in the UFC and the UFC was like <laughs> big in the US. And so, you know what I'm saying? Where okay. pride, maybe it, you know, it, it, it didn't, it wasn't the, 
fan favorite that it was. Because when Pride was at its era, it was still like illegal in a lot of aspects. It was still, you know what I'm saying? The underground sport, mm-hmm. it was coming out of that. And so maybe there's just a lot of people that just aren't as, as well known to it. Um, but for whatever reason, that's part of it. Is is being able to pick the right place at the right time, not necessarily the right fighter. Do you know what I'm saying? That's I a do. big part of it. I do. So, and, and I get what you're saying. I just, I, I disagree because I'm not subject to nostalgia because I remember the sport from the beginning and I saw it unfold and I saw what Dan Henderson did and all these names he has on his resume and you know who he beat when he beat and how he beat them so so okay but the question you asked was who had the better career right still dan henderson and then again just just my opinion right his career spanned longer had better names had better wins and and that's for me, that's that's what matters because I remember. And you're right. Generally speaking, the general public is not going to agree because mm-hmm. they don't remember. Yeah. But I was there. I saw. What would it matter if, like, let's say we had, um, you know, fuck it. I'm leaving it alone. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know, because we could go on. Uh, no, exactly. I want to circle. I want to circle back to some, but we're, we'll we'll cover it later. Okay. All right. Um. So let's move on to round two. Um. All right. So all right, so time for the roster rewind. Yes, always one of the more difficult decisions I ever have to make. Honestly, is which fighter we're going to highlight on the roster rewind, um, and mainly just because there's so many. Yes. Right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's so funny because there'll be times where I'll be like fucking thinking about something, and I'll be I'll, I'll, a fighter will pop in my head, and then I'll think about like you know, their record or some of the fights they had. And then I'll be like, God, that's somebody that people should know about. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, I don't know. It's just crazy. And not even just in MMA. Like there are boxers sometimes where I'd be Agreed. thinking about it. Agreed. And I'm like, dude, like nobody knows about this guy. You know yep. what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. No, I, abs- yeah. Absolutely. And just the sheer length of time boxing has been around. You, there's probably even more. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I went back and forth again. It was real last minute. I had three, I mean, I whittled a list of 12 down to three when I got here. And then from those three, it was like, oh, okay. <clears throat> so today I'm going with the fireball kid. Okay. Nice. Takanori motherfucking Gomi. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. This is a dude that was a straight up killer for so many years. Yes. This was a guy that started, I mean, we're going to go <clears throat> section by section, but he started 14 and 0. Um, so he won his first 14 fights straight up. Yep. And was just wrecking people. I don't know if it was straight up. I mean, at that time in pride, I'm just saying, you know, I'm, they had a great job of putting people that okay. were favorites against people. You never even knew. I'm just, saying, however, I'm just saying. the, none of those first 14 fights are in pride. They're all Shuto. Oh, okay. Okay. So I gotcha. okay. Brazil. Okay. So yeah, he probably wasn't given very much. Probably uh, not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably not. Um, he ran into a couple of, uh, the greatest fighters of all time, Joaquin Hansen okay. and BJ Penn, yep. you know, um, and, Got submitted by BJ Penn and Rumble on the Rocks. That's what I was saying. I thought it was Rumble on the Rocks. Yeah, yeah. which was big. But then went on another tear in Pride. That's when he went. That's when he became the Fireball Kid. That's when he became the Fireball Kid. When he was uh, knocking people out with knees. Ralph Mm -hmm. Gracie knocked out with knees Mm -hmm. in Pride. Um, Charles Bennett 
you know, who yeah, he actually submitted, horse. which I thought yeah. was interesting. But that's a hell of a fight, yeah, dude. Yeah. Crazy Horse and Gomi knocks out Jens Pulver, who at yeah. the time is probably one of the three best lightweights yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um, Luis Azaredo knocks him out. Uh, Kawajiri, he gets a win over. Hayato Young Kawajiri. Huh? Young Kawajiri, yeah. exactly. Because Kawajiri's still fighting. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Sakurai too. Hayato yeah. Mox Sakurai knocked him out. Like, this was what he was doing. Like, he came in and was just this little Japanese fireball. Yeah. And was just putting it on people, yeah. dude. Um, he loses by submission to Marcus Aurelio in Pride Bushido 10. And then goes on another tear for a bit. Uh, David Barron, a Marcus Aurelio, he gets that one back. Uh, Mitsuhiro Ishida, a nasty, yeah. nasty knock. That's a soccer kick <laughs> knockout. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what you could do in Brad. You could just soccer kick somebody in the face, too. <laughs> and, um, Ish- and Ishida, right? <clears throat> fucking, that was a guy that at that time was like one of the um, top contenders. He was somebody that continuously was like, at the top, fighting the top guy, somebody who like doesn't even get talked about today, but it's funny because when you bring it up, it like puts me back in that time spot to remember like that like he didn't have like the most entertaining style, but like it was always funny. It's funny because he was one of those guys that like constantly fought the best guys at the time. Yeah, and now to today he's one of those guys that just like nobody fucking knows. Right, you know. So, but it, yeah. yeah, um, future roster rewind fighter. <laughs> <laughs> So during this during this run, he ends up running into Nick Diaz. Oh, right, Pride yeah. thirty three. But that's the end of Pride. You know, this which, would have been the end of Pride. It was. It was yep. Pride thirty three. It would. It was yep. in the U S. It was the. I think it was. It wasn't the last card Pride did, but it was the second to the second last. Second to the last. Exactly. Because then they went and they did the Kamikaze card back in Japan, and then it fucking died. Um, but, um, but yeah, but it it really. <sighs> Yeah, it really um, it symbolizes like his career symbolizes a lot of pride. Um, Japanese in origin, coming out onto the world stage, taking over. Um, you know, most spe- spectacular. Um, you know, taking like he had the fireball shorts, right? He had the yes. he had these black shorts that yes. had the flames on the leggings. Okay. Those were shorts that were, they weren't the exact same, but the the idea of them came from Tito Ortiz. He was like the, probably the first person that I remember in MMA having those type of shorts. But then, you know, like taking what the UFC had started, like Pride did, right? Making it even more um, encompassing of the fighter, of their overall per- persona, because he was. He was the fireball kid. And mm-hmm. not only was he exciting, not only did he deliver devastating knockouts, he knocked out his opponents with this right hand that he threw because he was a former um, uh, baseball player, like really like high collegiate baseball player. And he had a nasty, like uh, he was a pitcher and he threw with his right hand. So he threw his fucking right hand like he was throwing a fucking pitch. It was just, it was super fast and super devastating when it landed. And, and that was the, that's why he was the fireball kid. You know what I'm saying? And so, and his whole career um, mirrors, pride right pride at this raise this raise this raise mm-hmm. and then boom gets fucking taken out and then and then is over i mean it's like it's the exact um epitome of the of the pride as a as a whole you know just i don't know just his career with that with the nick diaz loss but like how great was that how great was he he had the fight with diaz 
Beat the shit out of Diaz. Beat the ever-living shit out of Diaz. Yeah. Um, and then Diaz was able to um, get a go-go plata, the go-go plata on him and and win and submit Gomi, which at that time, at that see, see, it's so hard now because today the Diaz brothers are known as like these fucking, you know, sh- like really strong, prominent, popular anti-heroes in the MMA circle, mm-hmm. right? You think about how popular Nate Diaz is and his brother Nick Diaz, if you know anything about it, that's where Nate got everything from, was from his brother and stuff. But back then, when Nick beat Gomi, Nick was this guy that had come into the UFC, had got some wins, you know, got three losses and was out. Yeah. And was just a, was just like a, a, a guy that you remembered that had fought in the UFC, but had nothing in, yeah, in the way of what the, yeah, of what the future would bring or any of that. He goes and fights Gomi in Pride. Submits Gomi with this go-go plot. It just blows everybody's mind. Nobody's Every, ever seen no, that. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. N- not only like the go-go plot, which may have been one of the first ones ever in MMA, but then also to to be this guy that was just like a, pretty much considered like this journeyman type fighter and go and submit who was considered like the legitimate lightweight devastator of the world and like that and beat him in pride, submit him in pride. Um, I, mean, it, I mean, it was just, it, it was... Yeah, it it it, 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 was, it was just really crazy um, for it to happen. And then from that, from what Nick Diaz was able to do with that and then become the fucking, the boxer fighter that he was with right. all of it. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it, it's, yeah. It's just yeah, no, a real pivotal <clears throat> fight in so many respects, right? Because not only was it the end of the Pride era, um, but it was like kind of the beginning of the Diaz era. And it was kind of, the end of the fireball kid era. Yeah. You know, yeah. he notches some other really good wins. Um, he, you know, knocks out Dwayne Ludwig. Oh, wow. Who was a good striker. Um, uh, Nakakura, he gets a knockout and then ends up at the end of his career in the twilight in the UFC and ends up getting a highlight reel knockout over Tyson Griffin. I remember that. Um, and that's pretty much. Yeah. The end. I mean, I think he fought Mac Danzig after Danzig won the Ultimate yeah, Fighter. Lost to Nate Diaz. Um, yeah, lost yeah. to Nate Diaz, Clay Guida, Diego Sanchez, Miles Jerry, Joe Lozon. You know, like didn't end his career on the greatest of notes, but um, but that was all past his prime, his Shuto and Pride. Prime, yeah, you know. I remember, <laughs> I remember when that Gomi Diaz fight was announced. The Nate Diaz fight was announced, and I remember thinking, like, okay. Now we're going to see. Now we're going to see if Nate Diaz is really like... As good as his brother. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Because he's got to fight Gomi, you know what I'm saying? And then, um, and it really, like, for the world, it really wouldn't be until, um, you know, the for for most of the world, it wouldn't be until fucking he fought McGregor that he stepped out of that shadow. But to me, that was the measuring stick was because he had come off the Ultimate Fighter mm-hmm. and he was fighting these guys and whatever. And it was like, all right, dude, now you got to fight Gomi and fucking, you know, you know, Gomi's got a lot on the line from, you know, everything that's happened since he lost to Nick. And so, and then Nick tested positive for marijuana. Yeah. So that in, fight, in that fight, know, in the so, Gomi fight, and then ended up getting I his, know. you know, his only because it was in the USA him. probably. Well, yeah, exactly. Because it was, well, and not only because it was in the USA, but because like, you know, uh, the speculation of course, is that because he beat Gomi and then they tested him and he came back for marijuana. Then they were like, Oh, because of marijuana, you, you know, you get your, uh, submission taken away and it's like, 
how is marijuana a performance enhancer? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, might help you stay calm under pressure. I could see that. Yeah. Maybe. Or it uh, might give you even more, make you even more <laughs> nervous. <laughs> like, True. Like, it's just like, yeah, it's just like, come on, man. Like, I don't know. Uh, um, if anything, caffeine's more of a fucking performance enhancer than <laughs> fucking marijuana. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, I don't know. It allows yeah. you to be creative. Maybe that's where the Google Plata came from. It can. It allows you to be in a, <laughs> end up in a fucking ball, fucking paranoid as fuck. Like, I don't know. So, like, yeah. Uh, really interesting. But, um, but yeah. Um, man. And, and just, like, Gomi. Okay, here's the thing. When we talk about Gomi, Gomi was, like, the first legitimate lightweight champion of the world. Like, yeah, like, yeah, because the UFC had had their first lightweight champion already. Right. We had had the Jens Pulver versus BJ Penn match and Pulver won, and he had the belt. And I think he defended it, I don't know, a couple of times or something, but then they got rid of the division yeah. and it never really like set in like their lightweight division was always something that they were, it was almost like something that they were trying to do, but it never really got going. Well, they didn't have all the best lightweight fighters no. in the world at that time. No, exactly, exactly. Like their like their women's featherweight division of today, right? Exactly. It was. It's just something that like it's more of an experiment than it really was like a legitimate division. Mm-hmm. Um, but other promotions, WEC, Pride, yeah, specifically, yes, Pride had the top. Pride had all the top fighters at that at that time in the world. If you were heavyweight at the top, you were in Pride. If you had, and not to say that the heavyweights that weren't in the UFC weren't the top, they were. They just didn't have as many. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so the majority of the the better fighters were in Pride, middleweight or light heavyweight, whatever you want to call it. Um. Yeah. And the lightweight fighters. And um, Gomi was the first guy that was really recognized throughout the world as being the like the light the lightweight champion. Yeah. And, and it was the way he was beating people too. Yeah. It was violent. He's fucking like you knocking said. them yeah, out. He's yeah. Knocking them out. At that time you hadn't seen a lot of we hadn't seen, the world hadn't seen somebody that was a small, you know, guy, a small fighter just knocking out all of his opponents. Yep. It was just like, holy shit, that's something that bigger fighters do. You know what I'm saying? The smaller fighters, you know, it's just usually like, you know, a lot of competition going round and round and round and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was, it was I don't know. It was no, it was, it was a guy that has brought me so many different entertaining fights. Was definitely one of those guys that I looked forward to watching fight. Just couldn't wait to see the violence. Just waited to see what he was going to uncork on whatever poor bastard ended up getting in the ring with him. I mean, it was going to be that right hand. He knows what he was. He knows what he was going to uncork. It's just such a beautiful thing to watch. So I just I wanted to make sure I gave him uh, his props, thank him for all the entertainment he's shown me, and let our viewers know that. this is one of those guys you got to go back and if you want to watch highlight reels, if you want to watch his, you know, get on and watch all those old pride fights, um, you got to do it. Yeah. You'll be in for a treat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, yeah. And like you said, to see the lightweight division of that time, of the beginning, right? To see mm-hmm. what it looked like versus what it is of today. I mean, let's, uh, let's just be honest. Lightweight division today is probably the most densely occupied competitive division that there is in the world, right? Most of the fighters are normally, most of the 
physiques of males, just the average, is like the height and the overall weight is somewhere right around there. You right. know what I'm saying? Most of the fighters fight there. The lightweight division of today is just like, I mean, that's Islam Makachev, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje. All those guys are the lightweight division of today. But like, you know, back then there wasn't. And guys like Taknori Gomi, really specifically, BJ Penn, Jens Pulver, a lot of those guys, mm-hmm. Kyle Uno, those yeah. were the guys that were carving out that path for what it would eventually end up becoming. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if Gomi wasn't fucking throwing that right hand at motherfuckers and separating them from consciousness back then, like 20 years ago, like who knows? No, it's a division that would have been totally overlooked because it wasn't the marquee yeah. division. It no. wasn't, you know, so without knowing. I mean, the UFC had started the division <laughs> yeah. and then given up exactly. on the division during it, that time period. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so without, you know, the fireball kid going out and putting on a show yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? It what never would have been. been. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> and that's the thing about it. That's why a lot of consideration is paid to him as like the first lightweight champion because. There were other champions before him, but after that, that was the time when it was like, nah, dude, like, like this divi- this is a real fucking division. This lightweight shit, this yep. is some real shit. And then after that came, you know, all the rest of it. Not only WEC, but then Dream after Pride yeah. and the rest of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, yeah. So, to what it is today. So, yeah, nice. Nice job. Okay. All right. Um, so, with that, we will uh, go back. We will end round two and go to... Um, Second question. Second question. Hit me. All right. <clears throat> you go. Um, this is one that I had somebody reach out to me. Spe- no, I'm wow, just personally. No, I'm just, shit I'm was just, in your personal inbox. I'm, I'm just talking <laughs> shit. Um, so the question is, uh, which fighter stock do you think suffered the most in 2023? Oh, shit. God damn. Which fighter's stock suffered the most in 2023? So who coming in at the beginning of the year had the highest stock versus at the end of the year ending with the lowest stock? Who do you think lost out the most in 2023? Damn. Um, That's a really good question. I know. I mean... I almost want to say somebody like Izzy, maybe. Um, it's not that's not a bad choice either. Um, losing two title fights in the calendar year, right? How yeah. You lose your belt twice, maybe, and then saying you're taking a break. Um, I, I don't know. One? Did he lose that first fight? I think he lost it at the end, end of, of last year. Yeah, I think so. And then he came back and then beat the guy that he beat right. right so then he got higher and then he lost to strickland at the end so he did at the end of the year he lost out but he did avenge his fucking loss against his nemesis other fighters whose stock may have fallen when i when i seen this question there was one name that popped in my head and then the more that i thought about it versus other fighters i i i can't see anybody <clears throat> beating that person okay. so i'll offer that up okay. and you tell me if there's someone else that has a that has a lower stock okay Patty Pimlet. <laughs> He's not. No, no. Has to, has to be. Why? Because He's winning his fights. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's winning his fights. Okay, he hasn't even lost. 
But no matter what fight that they can put him in now, this year, I mean, it's almost a lose-lose, no matter who it is. So if we're going to go by that, and, and I like the logic that you're going with there, but if we're going to use that logic, then I could just as easily say Kamzat Shemaev. Because this okay. is a guy who was supposed to smash everybody and be a three-division champ, and the hype was real, to not necessarily having dominant showings in his last two fights against a 170-pounder and a former 170-pounder at 185. Like, so, these are fights you could have argued that he lost. But... So, so <clears throat> yeah, you make a good point that there is speculation that he could have that he could have lost we don't i don't need to get back to it but he did have that first round where he was able to dominate usman in a way that we'd never seen usman dominated before okay whereas you have pimlet okay who had all this all this hype mm-hmm. coming off of it faced jared gordon won the fight nobody believed he won the fight <laughs> yeah nobody okay yeah. and then when, and then had to take all this time off and was like going through the ringer of all that. Then came back to face Tony Ferguson, beat Tony Ferguson. And everybody still is like, yeah, that looked like a shitty performance. If you, if he fought anybody else that wasn't Tony Ferguson, he probably would have got, you know, yeah. he probably would have lost. Like this guy is winning. And still losing over and over. <laughs> there, I mean, how well? How, right. how? Do you see what I'm saying? No, no, that's good. That's good. And and because because the question is the stock, the stock, right? the stock, the stock. And and you're right. And and Kamzat still gets the next title shot. Yeah. So his stock, regardless of his performances, hasn't actually dropped. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. I, I I dig you there. I like that. Um, I still feel like. There's somebody there has to be, out right? there that I know, and that's what I was thinking of because I, when I read, when I first saw the question, that was my mind. I was like, "Who's the most? Who's suffered the most overall loss?" And I was like, "I was like, oh, Patty Pimlet." And then the more I start thinking about these other fighters, the more I'm just like, "Dude, I've never seen a case like Patty Pimlet." To be honest with you, I've never seen somebody that can not only continue to win and lose, but can beat fighters that have name value and lose, and to the point where you're just like. Like, like, dude, like, I don't know. Like, it, it would suck. That would suck. That's all I'm saying. It's like, even when you fucking win, you lose. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't no, know. that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd have to agree. And, and I, and I, I would have to look really hard to find somebody that lost more in 2023 than Patty Pippen. That had, had more to loss from the public, from a perception standpoint, from, right? Like the stock, yes, the yes, stock, yes, right? Yeah. Although to be fair, that would also mean that you had a lot of stock to begin with, yes, right? Yes. So that's, I mean, that's that double-edged sword because maybe there were fighters that lost out more, but didn't have as much to begin with. Yeah. So they didn't have as much to lose out. <clears throat> right. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think it was a good question. I do. And I was hoping that you'd be able to offer somebody else. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't think of somebody. I, <laughs> I literally was like thinking about it. And I was like, I can't think of anybody else. Like, I just can't think of anybody else. I mean, seriously, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It just, yeah. How, how do you do that? How, how do you get in a position where you can continue to win and like everybody's just like, D- you're going to get murdered in your next fight. <laughs> <laughs> like, Fuck, this guy sucks. <laughs> I, I just, I've never seen it happen in combat sports because even when you suffer devastating losses, there's people where you're like, oh yeah, like, but up until that point or yeah, right. but in your last fight, but right. it's like 
Dude, it, it's like it's like we never had a good measuring stick for him. It was like this guy that like people were believing in and they liked his persona and he was having these fights and and you know, he was like getting wins or submitting people that like nobody knew about and then he would have these like fights where they were competitive, but you were like, "Oh, yeah, we all like Patty." And then this UFC like promotional shit fucked that all up mm-hmm. to the point where it's just like ugh, it's just like like literally the only way Patty Stock is gonna go up the only way is if he gets like fucking severe if he loses severely <laughs> that it appetizes everybody to that yeah. and then he comes back right right and right. then that comeback is when everybody is that's when his stock will rise again yeah but until that point happens it's just like and not only that but like look at when he fought Tony me and you I think we were the only two that we didn't talk I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast but if not we're gonna talk about it right now Tony looked fucking scared out of his mind in that whole fight right in that whole fight and nobody's talked about it there are people like oh Tony looked good in his performance I'm like Dude, no. it, the whole time it looked like he was like scared to engage. It looked like he was completely like hesitant to do anything else except just like kind of, you know, go through the motions of what was happening in the fight. And even, you know, when he would try to answer something back, it was like he was like throwing spar stuff at him. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like there are a lot of times where you get these like, you know, crazy uh, conspiracy theory fucking um, ideas about stuff in MMA. And if I was watching that fight, not knowing anything, I'd be like, is this guy trying to lose the fight? Yeah. Because he wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, and he, and he legitimately had this look like he was uh, like in fear during the fight, not necessarily of Patty, but just of being in that situation. Yeah. You know what I'm not saying? Not being able to get over the past losses. Yeah. Or, or whatever was in his mind, right? That's yeah. what it looked like when he was dealing with it. And so you have this guy like this and you can't put him away. You, still you can't. can't. Yeah. yeah. And you still couldn't, I mean, really even hurt him, even though you're hitting him with like better punches and strikes than we've seen before in your old career. It's, I was just like, dude, what is going on? Like it was, dude, it was, it was yeah. mind blowing to me. So like, no, yeah. that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, and I'll and I'll look, I'll, I'll look around because now that that's stuck in my mind and see, but that probably is the fighter that lost the most stock in twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know. That's what. I, yeah, that's what I thought. So, another good question. Do our fucking these guys fucking whoever people? I don't know if they're <laughs> guys. I should re. I should re right. reassess. But whoever is that's you know putting these questions in, you guys got some good questions for us. So yeah, thanks for making us think, yeah. man. So, all right, uh, let's move on to round three. Let's uh, let's talk about um, fights that are coming up and kind of profile a little bit of that before our next show. So, um, you wanna you wanna go backwards? You wanna do the I, most the the one that's the furthest out, and then work our way in, or you wanna start with this weekend? Yeah, we should start with this weekend, the okay. fight coming up this weekend. Okay, this weekend we got a big UFC pay-per-view card. You know it. We know it. UFC fucking whatever it is. <laughs> I know. 297. You know, we know. We all don't know what it is. UFC 297. More importantly, it's in Toronto. The main event, Sean Strickland putting the middleweight title on the line versus DDP, Brickus Duplessis. Every time people say that DDP line, I always think Diamond of Dallas Page, I dude. Always, you, always. you can't not. I know, I know. And so, if anything, it's a re- it's it's like throw it's like a, a allusion to him. Yeah. Anytime people throw it out, that's what I think. I'm always like, dude, there's only one DDP. <laughs> know. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I always know. think that. So you, so so if yeah, I say half it, the shit that Diamond Dallas yeah, Page has done, man, yeah, come on. Yeah. So if I say DDP on the podcast, I hope all the fans are thinking of the motherfucking triangle in yeah, the bag, baby. right? Yeah. So, anyways. Um, yeah, Sean Strickland versus Duplessis, uh, you know, Penny, Raquel Pennington versus, um, 
our girl Buena yep. Silva. Yep. Um, yeah. Magni versus Malat. So this there's a whole there's a whole bunch of good fights. Right. Uh, so it's it's funny. This is one of the fight cards we've looked at more than most, simply because. It's the first big fight card of the year. Yeah. Right? There was that period where we didn't have a whole lot going on, you know, the end of December, yep. beginning of January. Yeah. Had some time um, off. Right. So it got a little bit more attention, a little bit more of my um, thought went into it as far as looking at it. And even then, I still didn't realize it was in Toronto. I don't know how that um, escaped my, um, you know, my research. But uh, I, I do like the card. Um, I like that. We've got a couple of the matchups on here. Um, Arnold Allen, Movsar, Evloyev, I'm really excited mm-hmm. for. Yep. <clears throat> I, like, I like both these fighters a lot. Yep. I think it's going to be a war. I think it's going to be a highly skilled bout. I think this fight's going to go everywhere. I think it's going to be tested on the feet. I think it's going to be tested on the ground. And um, it's going to be interesting to see if Arnold Allen can bounce back from the Holloway fight. If um, Evloev is as good as everyone has said he is. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I know the main fight aside, this is the fight I'm most looking forward to on the card. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so, I, I, I'm the biggest fucking Myra <laughs> Bueno Silva fan. I really am. Um, I've been a fan for a long time for different reasons. Um, <laughs> but um, none more recently than just like the performances, right? Like Absolutely. Her, her, she beat, um, I forget, I forget who it was. She beat um, that one, that who was the chick that she beat? She had to beat her twice or she submitted her and then she said she didn't get submitted. You remember what I'm talking about? I do. Uh, I don't remember who that was though. Um, was it? Nicole Egger or Lena Landsberg? I think it was Egger. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Egger. Yeah. Yeah. She fought, yeah, by submission. Um, had to beat her twice. Yeah, had to beat her twice. But, like, okay, this is somebody who she's faced for in the early part of her career mm-hmm. um, and then has gone on to beat, um, you know, fucking Egger almost twice, Landsberg, the yep. Queen of Elbows. Holly Holm. Uh, Holly Holm. Submitted Holly Holm. I know. And then... Did um, that get overturned? So, okay. So, I think that... that uh, I think that... It seems like there was talk that it, it was going to, but then there was something that happened. Oh, she... Okay, she had failed for performance and answers, so they said, okay, it was going to be overturned. Mm-hmm. Then... During during the investigation process, it got found out that like it was a small amount in a tainted substance or whatever. Right. So then it was like reinstated. Gotcha. Do you see what I'm saying? It's gotcha. one of those kind of things. Either way, she won that fight. She fucking submitted yeah. Holly Holm. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And not that Holly Holm hasn't been submitted before she has, but this is somebody, you know, new on the rise, taking out, literally getting taking them out, mm-hmm. getting a finish over somebody who's like stayed at the top one of those you know fighters that has stayed at the top for so long and and you get you finally get your shot (laughs) and you capitalize on it and so yeah so um yeah just a just a big fan and um she is going to be taking on raquel pennington in this fight um rocky um even though rocky's number two and uh silva is number three um yeah um i don't know uh She's had, you know, she fought uh, a year ago and beat um, Vahera, um, 
won a decision, split decision over Vera, uh, won a decision over Ladd, submitted Cezanne. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, she has a record here of winning, um, getting a decision over Renew. Um, so, yeah, she she has... She's able to do what she needs to to get the decisions to win, but... Um, she's deserving of her ranking, but based on the eye test, it doesn't seem like these fighters are on equal level, right? Yeah. I like how you said the eye test, because usually it's a smell test, but that would have been fucked up, to say. So, 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 so I'm glad so you, you went said ahead and test. said it anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying I liked what you did. That's all I'm saying. Um, but yeah, and that's the only reason why I didn't put it as high on my list of fights I'm excited to watch because I think it'll be kind of a route. You know, I think Myra Bueno Silva's going to pretty much have her way with Rocky. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it's one of these cases where you have somebody who has a lot of momentum, a devastating fighter that is out there, you know, hunting for the finish mm -hmm. versus a fighter who, you know, is not the most defensively sound, but is one of those fighters that does what they need to in order to get the decision. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And in those kind of matchups, it always presents a hard challenge to the decision fighter because the decision fighter is able to, you know, negate, not necessarily negate, but like sort of weave their way through in order to find that decision. And you're going to constantly be having to, you know, go against somebody that's hunting you down to take to take you out. So yeah, and the way the fights are scored, being that defensive for that long a period of time is does not benefit you. No, like you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to get offensive. You're gonna have to take some. You risks. gotta fight you're fire with fire. fire. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's and that's the thing. I don't think R Rocky has the fire. I know that Bueno has. I know, and, and it kills me because like not only is like you know. Like, I'm a fan of Pennington, and she fights out of Colorado. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know. I got that home fucking shit Nothing where I'm like, for I know. Rocky, man. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and yeah, and like, but at the same time, I mean, yeah, that's just kind of the way I see it, too. Um, there's, you know, um, some other stuff to talk about on this card. Um, I'm also interested in the Brad Katona over Garrett Armfield fight. Um, I'm a fan of Brad Katona. Um, you know, two, is it the only two time ultimate fighter winner? Probably. Has anybody else ever a, won? I think there's another one, but I think there's only two. Is there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I think, I think he's the second, the second one. I'm, I'm going to look this up yeah. because it wouldn't be. I, but see, I don't think, I don't think there is. Cause I think that. I think that the one that he the one that he won the second one that he won was the first time where they brought back other fighter Ultimate Fighter winners to fight. There was the comeback, but that was fighters that had used to fought in the UFC that then were making a comeback. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Right. But um. But yeah, I'm a fan of Brad Katona, um, and he's fighting on this card. Uh, Charles Jordan has showed a fucking significant world of promise. No, you're right. First ever two-time winner. Yeah. Um, for uh, Charles Jordan, who's shown a significant amount of um, promise in his most recent fights, submitting uh, Ramos uh, in his last fight and just looking like, you know, a force, he's going to be facing Sean Woodson, who is a tough fucking competitor. Mm -hmm. And um, that should be a great fight. Um, you got... Julianette Robertson 
big fan of fighting Pollyanna Viana. I like both these guys. Yeah, like, no, me too. That's, that's going to be a great That's fight. a good matchup. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, and not only that, but you got a lot of Canada's, um, you know, highest prospects right now. Robertson, Jordan, Katona, um, Malat, yeah. uh, Andre Berrio. Yep. You have a lot of these guys fighting on this uh, Canadian card, really trying to pull forth because it's been a long time since the UFC's been in Canada. So I think they've done a good job of bringing this card in. It's not necessarily as heavy stacked as a lot of the other pay-per-view cards have been recently and definitely not as stacked as the future ones are. But at the same time, I think it, it feels right for Canada. No, you're absolutely right. And, and it is rare that they go to Toronto, but if memory serves, these are always great cards yes every card they yes. have in toronto yes these guys really show up yep. they show out you get great fights yep. you're gonna get some awesome stoppages yeah a um, couple of crazy upsets yeah these are always great cards yeah speaking of that let's talk a little bit about the um uh mike malott neil magny okay. fight so mike malott is a fucking heavy favorite on um this spot we're looking at it right here it says that he is a uh negative 250 favorite but if it's you even go, higher on mine yeah no but if you go on to some other <laughs> betting sites you'll see that he has is a three four to one um you know a favorite um so yeah he's minus 350 yeah so i mean what do you what do you think what do you think about this what do you think about this matchup what do you like it what do you think i, th- I think the odds are good like i, I like exactly where they're at and we we like fighters like Neil Magny because they're tough outs, right? Um, he's a good all around fighter, but that only that only lasts so long. Age is gonna c- catch up with you, and it feels like that's how it's been with Magny lately. Okay, like he hasn't been able to put it all together as well as he used to be able to. Mm-hmm. And fighting a guy like Mike Malott, that's gonna come back to bite him pretty hard. I yeah. think. Yeah, almost a mirror of what we had talked about before with the Rocky Silva fight. Right. Um, you got one fighter on a whirlwind surging towards the top, mm-hmm. um, you know, gunning for finishes um, versus um, a fighter that's, you know, been in the sport a long time and has, um, you know, is more looking for the decision overall, you know. Um, but, yeah, I I agree. I think that... You know, Mike Malott, not only not only in this fight is he the up and comer, not only does he have that momentum pushing him from a fighting standpoint, but he also has the UFC promotion pushing him big time too. True. He's their guy that you feel watching it that the UFC really wants to push forward. He's gotten a lot of finishes. They can probably, you know, sell a lot off of him and so this is their big thing so neil magny has multiple different fights that he has to fight against in this fight he's got to fight not only against mike malott not only does he have to fight against time being the significantly older fighter he's got to fight the ufc but he's got to fight the ufc yep. machine which we had talked about before and yep. so he's he's got he's got a yeah he's got he's got a lot that he's got to deal with in this fight and um and yeah and so i definitely like uh malott yeah, well. I, yeah, I do too. And and maybe it's not a finish. Like maybe Neil Magny is able to make it to a decision. Maybe. Um, but I still feel like it's going to be pretty one sided. Yeah, I I think he I think he probably gets finished. I think it's going to be a TKO. 
ground I th- and pound? I, I think, uh, no. I think that, I mean, it could be, but I think that as soon as Mike Malott puts Neil Magny in a position where he's teeing off on him and Magny is not firing back, if he can't, uh, you know, inte- uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> intelligently guys. defend so, himself, I think they're going to call him. So Ace is <laughs> predicting a... Um, a standing TKO. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I will not, not a standing TKO <laughs> fucking guy. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying as soon as he gets in a position, a questionable one, right? One of those gotcha. ones where you're like, Hey, he's not out yet. Yeah. Why'd they step in? As soon as it gets to that point, I think the ref's going to jump in there and get involved. You know what I'm, I'm gotcha. just saying? That's the feeling that I've got. So, yeah. uh, so, yeah, so Neil Magny better do everything he can to not put himself in that kind of position. So yeah. they'll be looking for it. Yeah, it should be a good card. And, and like you said, I'm so glad you you talked about that because I forgot until you brought that up. Canada is going to fucking show out. Yep. The fans are yes. going to fucking go crazy. Yep. They're going to fucking be super pumped. It's going to be all the Canadian fighters. All the fighters are going to be fucking, you know, filling electricity from it. But the Canadian fighters especially are going to be running wild with it. Like when they, you know, like when they would do a UK card and how the yep, UK, perform, you know, fan factor would would <clears throat> yeah. evolve into that. And so, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a really good card. And it's going to make for um, a, a good buildup as we get to the main event. So, yeah, all of those things to be considered. That's that. Yeah, well, so the main event, Strickland and Duplessis. Yeah. Tell me how you feel about, tell me how you think this is going to play out. because the odds are pretty even on this one. They are. They are pretty even. And in all things considered, they really should be, right? Because before, the last time Sean Strickland fought, he was a severe underdog, and he, you know, fucking... He cost Vegas a lot of money. He cost him a lot of money. Well, yeah. I mean, well, no. He made him a lot of money, right? Because everybody thought that Izzy oh, was yeah. gonna, Izzy was gonna fucking beat him, and then fucking he ended up taking care of Izzy. I mean, fuck, he almost dispatched him in the first round, and then just proceeded to beat the shit out of him for five rounds. Yeah. You know, or or not necessarily. I mean, yeah, beat the shit, up, but just Izzy couldn't do anything. Yeah. He literally couldn't do anything. To, he couldn't answer anything to what Strickland had. And Strickland, you know, put him away from a decision standpoint. But, yeah. So, in this one, they learned their lesson. So, they made it, you know, even. Because they don't fucking know. Yeah. They're like, we don't know what to expect in this fight. <laughs> um, yeah. My feeling about this is you have... It's so funny because I don't know how many times me and you have had <laughs> the same discussion. But here we go again. Um that you have two fighters that are both offensive in style. Okay. Strickland, very defensive, but, uh, you know, able to stand with striking, negate anything that is, you know, really like coming at him and just march his opponents down, um, through, uh, pressure and through just constantly, you know, he's able to, defensively get out of the way or move around from whatever the fighters tried to, uh, his opponents tried to give him and just constantly march him down and, and, you know, uh, beat him down with his better boxing is really what it Mm -hmm. is. Right. Um, and then you have Duplessis who is this really heavy handed fighter. And up until his last fight, everybody thought of was like a Hamzat. Like, he would come out the first round and look like a surging power, but then his second round, he would have, like, he would have lost a lot, a lot of um, right. uh, energy, and then the fight, and the rounds after that would only build up. Mm-hmm. But then, 
you get to his last fight, okay? He goes and gets this nose surgery. What the fuck does that matter? It's a fucking nose surgery. <laughs> quit, quit sticking shit up your nose, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, goes in, fights Robert Whitaker, and fucking, like, <clears throat> looks like his fucking gas tank problems are fucking completely taken care of. Yeah. And not only that, but takes fucking Robert Whitaker out of there, which we hadn't seen, really. Yeah, for to a long that point. time. Yeah. And so, I mean, just really, you have two guys that in their last performances were able to, you know, beat and take out two fighters that they really weren't supposed to. Yeah. And so now... Arguably the, one, the number one and number two guys in the division. <coughs> For years. Yeah. <clears throat> and so now these two guys are going to face off. And, and so you have, like I said, Sean with this defensive boxing, marching you down type style. And you have Drickus with this heavy-handed... Fucking, I mean, this dude fucking, if he touches you, anybody who he's fought in his last, you know, his last opponents, I mean, we can go through and look at this, but I mean, Robert Whitaker, KO, um, TKO, KO, whatever, uh, Brunson, KO, TKO, um, Till, submission, uh, Tavares, decision, right? So, like, you have, and, and then we're getting into a lot of his, like, you know, um, Still winning, but not having the near as the same gas tank. You have this guy that has the power and the offensive style. When I think back to Sean Strickland and his weaknesses, I think back to his fight versus um, Pajeta, mm -hmm. when Pajeta was able to capitalize technically, but was able to put the power onto Strickland and was able to you know get him out of there. And so I favor... Drickus in this fight. I think that when you have two fighters that are offensive and they're going to be coming at each other, it's going to be who can withstand <clears throat> the more punishment from the other fighter. Yeah. And and we don't really know with Drickus, right? I mean, he's been in a, some fire fights, but not to that same level. Whereas with Sean, it's like, you know, it's like, I don't know. The the power seems to be a significant factor. So, yeah, so so I favor Drickus even though it is a relatively even fight. Drickus is a little bit of an underdog. I like Drickus. Okay. Uh, yeah, so on, on the surface, this is a fight where you have um, <clears throat> basically when you boil it down to its most basic parts, right, you have power versus technique, yeah. right? And generally speaking, on a long enough timeline, power is going to win out, right? Because you have to be so technically sound for so long that eventually you're going to slip up. Um, but when you start digging a little deeper, you start seeing how good Sean's defense really is. Right. Right. So it might be that much harder. It could be. For Drickus to land the shots he wants to land to get to Strickland, all the while eating the Strickland jab. Yeah. Which everyone will say, it looks like nothing. It looks like he's just putting it out there as a feeler, but it busts you up. Mm -hmm. it's, and, it, and it takes... You know, it's going to, that might totally reverse whatever nose job the dude just got. Right. And um, so, in my, in my opinion, Drickus has to keep his gas tank and has to take this fight um, seriously and make sure that he's still there in the later rounds. Because if round three's going mm -hmm. and Sean Strickland is still marching him down. just working it, yeah. you know, yeah. and he's defended takedowns, because I do think Drickus is going to go for takedowns, mm -hmm. um, then that, then this is. 
this is going to be Sean's fight. Drickus has to make this a dirty fight. He has to make this a brawl. He has to go for takedowns. The problem is if he doesn't get that finish, putting all that out, he's going to be tired, and it's going to be the Sean Strickland show rounds three through five. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, but it also has me um, think about, uh, like, an X Factor, right? This um, this stuff that's happened recently outside of the combat sports um, ring, whatever, octagon, whatever you want to say. Um, so, Sean... I'm sure anybody who's been paying attention or whatever knows a lot about it. He's been dealing with a lot of his own personal stuff, right? Okay. And um, you got this. You got this guy who, as the underdog, especially overcoming stuff, like believes in himself. You know what I'm saying? Because he's had to his whole life, right? Mm-hmm. He's had to overcome this stuff, and he's like, yeah. So he like believes in himself. But now he's the champion. You know what I'm saying? Now he's the guy that like is even on in this fight considered the favorite. Okay. And so is Sean, has he got to a spot mentally where he's able to accept that? You know what I'm saying? Cause if not, he could end up putting himself into a position to put himself, to get himself, you know, to, to lose the belt, you know, because I'm just saying the guy, We all have personal problems. I'm not saying that the dude has any more personal problems than anyone else. We all have personal problems. But with everything that's happened recently, you're starting to see these cracks come through to the uh, cut through, which normally wouldn't be there because of, you know, the amount of pressure that's being put on Strickland. Recently, you know, up until recently, he wasn't really, you know, considered much. And so he was going out and like saying crazy stuff and being flamboyant and stuff like that to like gain, you know, some people to take notice. But now he's the fucking champion. You know what I'm saying? And so and he has to and he has to put on a performance to match what he was able to do versus Izzy. And I'm just saying that can Sean, is he in a good spot mentally that he is able to yeah. do that. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm no. just saying. And, and these are and these are all good points. Um, for for me, that I just I look at Sean and his past, and he was always the guy that was like, the belt doesn't mean shit. I know. You know that was his thing, and so mm-hmm. I don't know if that's changed. But there's a chance that for him, it really doesn't. I actually believed him when he said that. It might not actually mean shit. I fucking hope so. The other thing is. Is that Sean's also the type of guy, in my estimation, that regardless of how things are going on personally, he's so much more comfortable in the octagon than he is even in his regular everyday life. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's going to be, um, <laughs> I think that's going to be uh, beneficial for him to get in there and feel comfortable and be in a fight. Right, and and, and that's a really good point too because it really is. Can you compartmentalize and keep that stuff out of there? You know what I'm saying? It yeah. really is. And so, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's one of those things that we see sometimes where fighters are like, hey, I want a little bit more recognition. Well, now you got the whole fucking world looking at you. Mm-hmm. Do you still want the, do you still like that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you know, breaking down on podcasts and the rest of it. I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying it's bad. Th- it's part of being human, right? It's part of the human experience. There's no judgment that's entitled to it. My only thing is when we're looking at it, trying to de- decide mentally how the fight's going to play out and who's going to be there and the rest of it is, 
Are you in a position where you're going to be able to find success and continue to succeed? Are you going to try to do things that undermine yourself and set up a failure because that's where you feel comfortable? Yeah. That's my, that's where I'm, um, I'm coming at it from. Yeah. And so there's a lot of different things to take into consideration with this fight. We ain't going to know until it plays out, <laughs> but I know I'm excited to see. And of course, any pre-fight interview or weigh-in could always change my mind. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So, should be good. All right. Let's move on. Uh, one has a uh, card, 165, coming up. Uh, Superlek coming off his win over... Um, Quote-unquote win <laughs> over Rod Tang. Um, so, he's going to be uh, taking on Sagawa um, in a uh, Bantamweight title weight bantamweight title fight mm-hmm. um Cade Rotello is also um you know gonna be on the card um Shinya Yoki versus Sage, Sage Northcutt. Northcutt can we stop and just talk about that cut that matchmaking did everybody see his 30 second submission over that dude when Mikey that... Musumeci no oh no Sage oh oh Sage yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, he must be a submission ace. Let's match him up against Shinya Yoki. No, 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 no. I, I don't think that's the case. I think, what I think is I think that Sage winning in Denver, the way that he won and the amount of response that he got, one is trying to do as much as they can to create new stars. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And so Sage is their fucking... American pretty boy s star. Mm. And so I think that they're favoring this matchup against Shinya Aoki because, dude, Aoki is fucking weathered. Like, he's fucking weathered. Yeah. And unless you do something that is going to, you know, put you in a bad position, like, all things considered, Sage should win this fight. He mm-hmm. really should. If he tries to have a submission match with Shinya Aoki, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe he fucks up. Exactly. But if he goes out there and fucking. You know, showcases legitimate stand-up and stuff. I mean, he maybe he could fucking take Shinya out. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So. No, I'm I'm truly stoked for this card. This card is stacked. So after yeah. that, we have Nikki Holskin versus Ishihiro Akiyama, which is like a fight fans, you know, fantasy matchup. Yeah. So that that's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Um. Sitsichai Sitpinong Sitsnong Pinong and Norat Gregorian. Yeah. This is a this is as high level as it gets. These yes. two fucking fighting each yes. other. Yes. That is. This is going to be a really tense fucking fight because Magic, yeah. because not only are they so technically good, but these dudes fucking throw, dude. I know. I know. I know. It really is. Uh, it, both of those that this fight and the fight from before are almost like video game style. You know. What yes. I'm saying? Um, Gary Tonin um, coming in um, has Martin a fight. Went yen. <laughs> like. I can't wait for this card. Yeah. So, yeah. No, me too. Um, I, I I am also really stoked for this card. And this is one's first card of uh, 2024. So, we'll be yep. able to get a good get, get a good look at that, rather. Um, should be a good year for one, all things considered. Yep. Um, also, we didn't talk about before, but since we're on this, um, one is, you know, coming back to the USA this year. They're going to have two shows in the usa this year two cards in the usa and uh fucking their first one september in denver in denver in denver motherfucker yep. uh, we got a chance to see one in denver last year it was killer it was a great card and uh yeah i'm ready to do it again we also 
have coming up before the next time we get a show. We will have a one fight night card. Your boy Roman Delize versus Nazaruddin Amanoff. Yeah. Um, I got Delize in this all day. Well, of course, that's your boy. I mean, not only that, but just Nasruddin just doesn't, he doesn't look like the fighter they want him to be. Mm. You know, he's mm. one of those guys that got the push and people were talking about him, and, and he's not lived up to the hype, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I got, I got Roman Delize all day. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I haven't even given it any thought. Thinking about it now, I don't know, I probably would favor Roman too, but I would have to consider some more things so much so much happens anymore i'm like i'd have to i have to go <laughs> i have to familiarize myself with naza dean's last performance roman i know roman has won some lost some i don't know so yeah but all things considered um yeah i would probably favor him too one fight that i'm more confident in is the drew dover versus renato moicano matchup confident that dover's getting the knockout yeah i i really am um moicano great fighter um you know really good submission game that's where dover's gotta pay attention to but um you know just not overall um the greatest when it comes to dealing with a lot of offensive striking moicano and um dover is a powerhouse and so yeah i even though it looks like he is the underdog in this fight um i think i'd favor dover Uh, yeah and i do i I do too Uh, moicano has so much potential yes like he's got a lot of skills um hasn't been able to put it together on any kind of consistent basis has looked like he could beat anybody sometimes and then has lost some really suspect fights in suspect fashions so um all things considered we know what drew dober is going to bring to the table he's going to get in your face he's one of the strongest guys at 155 and he's going to hit you really hard yeah yeah exactly so um it is a good matchup, and I will be looking forward to it. Um, and um, there's some other good matchups on the card. Uh, um, um, Salikov versus Randy Brown. Yeah, that was the other fight that I was wanted to talk about as well. Um, this was a fight that was supposed to happen before. Oh. Right? And then somebody, I think, some happened with Randy Brown, and then they moved the fight off gotcha, the card. Gotcha. This was a fight that we had already talked about. Gotcha. We this was a fight that was on a card. It was on like a pay per view card or something. Um, this was a fight that we had talked about before. We had both favored Randy Brown. We had both put him as somebody that we picked on the fight card. And then by the time the actual fight happened, some had happened and they had pulled out. So then they had rescheduled this fight. Right. So I don't know if anything has changed from the last time that we had talked about it. I still have a heavily favor Randy Brown in this to probably get a, a finish. Um, that's what the odds makers looks like. It's a two to one. What do you think? Yeah, Solikov's a, a decent fighter. He's got skills, um, but Randy Brown's unorthodox. He's powerful. Yep. He's long. Yep. These are things I don't think uh, Solikov can overcome. You know, at at his at his weight class. And know? I no, and I would agree. And the reason I truly believe that I don't think he would over he could overcome him is because we've seen him. Um, I don't want to say like give up, but getting to a point where he just like, you know what I'm saying? Like won't like 
try to find try to figure out the way to like go forward anymore we've seen him won't try to win yes you know? we've seen that happen yeah um before with Solikov, and that makes me hesitant about thinking about him fighting other people Agreed. and against somebody like randy like yeah randy's gonna come and he's game you know oh so, yeah no he yeah. believes he can win every fight that he's in even if he doesn't you yeah know? yeah so yeah should be good um also bkfc is gonna have their first event this year um and they're coming out with a bang their main event is Luis Palomino versus Austin Trout for... Um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, for, yeah I like that. Yeah, for um, Palomino's title. So, um, should be good. Both these guys having a good 2023, yep. matched up in 2024. Yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, the co-main event, Robbie Peralta, former UFC fighter, yep. who's had um, some good performances in BKFC. Um, is on it versus Bryce Henry. Um, Isaac Doolittle also on the fight card. Um, so yeah. Um, what do you, what do you think? Uh, those are, I mean, they're usually pretty entertaining cards. Um, I I don't know that I'm really necessarily stoked for any fight other than the Palomino trout fight, but, um, it's bare knuckle boxing. You might get some, yeah, might get some good knockouts, some good blood, you know? Yeah. Might get some, uh, new, um, fighters that you want to keep your eye on you know you never know about the performances of some of these guys so yeah could be good i'll be watching it and i'm definitely excited to see this uh main event fight i'm i echo your sentiments 100 percent. so yeah with that uh looks like uh before we leave we got to do the bets Yes, yes. So we were just you just yeah. So um yeah, so let's do that. Let's uh why don't you why don't you start us off? What do you what do you think? Uh Where so I am sticking with um Here the pay per view. The, <laughs> the pay per view two ninety seven. Um just the way they've got the odds and, and maybe it's because of the money that are coming on certain people, but um I think Arnold Allen is a really good bet at a plus 200 in his fight versus Evloyev. I think he has a really good chance to win that fight. And um, the other one um, I was looking at that I feel like is the same type of scenario. Like, I just don't agree. I think the fight is a lot closer than the odds makers are giving it credit for. Um, so let's see. Definitely the Arnold Allen fight. And then um, Mark andre Barial. Is a plus one fifty against Chris Curtis. I like Chris Curtis. He's looked good at one seventy, um, but Mark Andre Barriot has every chance in the world to to take that fight, and he's a plus one fifty. So are you fucking with me? <laughs> are you I'm fucking not... with me right now? I could have swore that you had told me before that you were liking Chris Curtis. I do like Chris Curtis. Like yeah. I said, I think no, he's no, no, but good in at... this fight, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, in this fight, in this fight. Oh, okay, but. It's too. It's closer than the odds makers are making it. That's the thing. Like, yeah. even though I think Chris Curtis gets the edge, I'd still be willing to put money on Mark Andre Barrial because he could win this fight. I got you. I got and you. the odds, like I said, plus one fifty. Like, yeah, I, I, I would take those odds. I absolutely. Would, I was like, this motherfucker doing the classic fucking one two. <laughs> He's like, look over here, boom, got you with that one. <laughs> I didn't even see that coming. Yeah. Um. No. I. I. Once again. Um, you know, mirror your same sentiments too. I like Allen, um, especially as a plus 40 underdog against Ivloev. Arnold's number four coming off a loss to Holloway that seemed like it was, um, more of a, like, you know, 
fan like type, yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of idea of a loss. Like, was happy to just be in there and uh, fighting with Holloway. Um, won't have the same kind of aspects for Evloev. I think he has more weapons than Evloev and more ways to win than Evloev. Um, so I agree with you with that. Um, I like Barrio versus Chris Curtis. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so so I, I like that too. And the other thing that swayed me in that Marc-Andre Barrio fan is because I also did not realize it was in Toronto oh, until okay. – and I'm like, you know, you're right because even if it's close, he's going to get the nod and he's going to be <coughs> amped up from the crowd. He's going to yeah. have, you yeah. know, his whole country behind him. So, yep. um, yeah, I think that's a good bet. I like that. Yep. Exactly. Um, but yeah, um, I, for my, um, bets, I am going to, you know, go out on a limb and say that fucking Silva is going to win against Pennington Mm -hmm. and she's going to win by submission. Ooh, there you go. And so, yeah, so they're not, yeah, it's a... The odds makers have it as a relatively close fight. Um, but yeah, I I definitely see Gwen of Silva getting the submission win in this fight and um and so yeah, um I like that. Um I like Brad Katona to get a win over Armfield. Um Katona's the favorite, but um yeah, if I was gonna put money on it, I would put money on Katona, I would put money on Silva getting the submission win and um you know Mike Malott getting the finish I'd put money on that and I'd also put money on fucking Drickus so those those are overall like where I'm feeling at with the money but if if it was just one I would the one I'm the most confident in is Silva beating Pennington getting a submission that's where I'm at with it so <clears throat> well, you heard it from A's new middleweight champ, Drickus Duplessis. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like a bantamweight title, right? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> all right, so that's that. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for being with us, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll catch you here in another couple weeks. Yep, we'll have some more shit for you. Good way to start out twenty twenty four. Got a whole year of stuff planned, so. Let's do it. Yep. We out. Later. This has been Snapcast. <laughs>